at sacredheartradio.com. Tuesday, the 22nd of August, the Feast of the Queenship of Mary. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for your church that we may serve God's glory by imitating the humble obedience of Mary, the Queen. For all who exercise leadership, we pray they may seek the good of all after the example of Mary, the Queen. We pray for all who have died that they may enter into your glory through the intercession of Mary, the Queen. O God, by the fruitful virginity of blessed Mary, you have given to the human race the reward of eternal life. Grant, we beseech you, that through the intercession of the mother of the author of life, the church may become the mother of many children, who will take their place before your throne to sing your praises for all eternity. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Mary conceived without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll talk to Father Boniface Hicks right after the news. He's going to give us a little bit of a, uh, a monastic perspective on the ancient practice of Lexio Divina. Marlon De La Torre along as well from the Diocese of Columbus. We'll talk to Stephanie Mann about Blessed Thomas Percy, whose feast is also on the calendar today. Of course, he's probably thrilled to uh, take a backseat to the Mother of God. But we're going to talk about him anyway. And then Dr. John Cuddeback will talk about a course that's being offered for the Institute of Catholic Culture, Institute for Catholic Culture, I should say. Got to get my prepositions right. Uh, but they're going to be talking about the cardinal virtues, and he'll give us a little preview of that. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. <clears throat> Pardon me. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Cleanup efforts continue in Southern California after Tropical Storm Hillary blew through. In Los Angeles, hundreds of trees that were downed in the storm Sunday and early yesterday remain on the ground and need to be cleared. The rain tapered off yesterday in the Los Angeles area, allowing utility crews to work quickly to bring the power back on for many. Schools in Los Angeles are resuming normal operations today after being closed yesterday out of an abundance of caution. Meanwhile, President Biden says the people of Maui will have everything they need to recover after the deadly wildfires. More from Mark Mayfield. While touring the town of Lahaina on Monday, he met with families of victims and thanked first responders. He also stressed how much he wants Maui to regain its same character as it rebuilds. Officials say 850 people are still missing as search and rescue efforts continue, and 114 people have been confirmed dead. The wildfires tore through Maui earlier this month, with the historic town of Lahaina receiving most of the damage. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Holy See has confirmed that a part two of Laudato Sea is in the works. Vatican News reports the Holy Father had revealed in off-the-cuff remarks to a delegation from the Council of Europe that he was working on a second part of the encyclical to update it to current issues. Vatican Press Director Matteo Bruni said the updated version will focus in particular on the most extreme weather events and catastrophes affecting people 
across five continents. Pope Francis has written the foreword to the Italian translation of the autobiography of Servant of God, Dorothy Day. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis recalls how she arrived at Christian faith from the grace that flows from charity, the beauty that flows from witness, and love that is expressed concretely through service, more than any human efforts or strategies. He recalled how Pope Benedict XVI said that the church grows through attraction, not by proselytism. And we see this in Dorothy Day's conversion, life and witness. Declared a servant of God in 2000, American Dorothy Day dedicated her life to social justice and human rights, especially the poor, exploited workers marginalized by society. The Pope paid tribute to her life witness by writing that we can all learn from her restlessness, her understanding of the church, and how she served others. Describing the restlessness of Dorothy Day, the Pope writes about her path from abandoning religious practice to discovering it once again, as she was always searching and open to the spiritual quest that led her to rediscover faith in God, seeing it as the fullness of life and the way to happiness. Dorothy Day came to see God as not only our consolation, but the fulfillment of our desire for meaning and joy. The Pope then looked at the beautiful words Dorothy Day had for the Catholic Church, despite the failings and weaknesses of its members. As her adherence to the truths of faith grew, the Pope writes, so did her consideration of the divine nature of the Catholic Church. Dorothy Day's concrete outreach to assist others as an activist and a journalist became a sort of highway with which God touched her heart, the Pope writes, and she shows how the struggle for justice offers a way to realize God's dream of a reconciled humanity. The Pope adds that even today, believers and non-believers can be allies in promoting the dignity of every person when they love and serve the most abandoned persons. I'm Dennis Jones. The Archdiocese of San Francisco is apparently headed to bankruptcy court. The Archdiocese announced yesterday it has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. In a statement, the Archbishop said the move was made to facilitate settlements with abuse survivors in more than 500 sexual abuse lawsuits against the archdiocese. Many of those cases involve abuse that allegedly occurred more than 30 years ago with priests who are no longer active. The archdiocese has said it has paid more than $70 million to sexual abuse survivors. Former President Trump is expected in Atlanta on Thursday to surrender in the Georgia election interference case. He noted on Truth Social that he'll be arrested by Fonnie Willis, whom he referred to as a radical left district attorney. The Fulton County DA who launched the investigation into Trump and his allies has given the defendants until noon on Friday to turn themselves in. Trump on Monday agreed to a $200,000 bond in the case. And when the iPhone 15 launches in the coming weeks, it will likely have a feature that no iPhone has had in more than 10 years. Matt, do you have a guess? Uh, the button at the bottom thingy? A generic charging port. Oh. So, like, you can charge it through, like, all kinds of different things. Yes, the proprietary lightning port that iPhone users have become accustomed to since its launch in 2012 will be replaced with the same USB-C connector that most other types of phones are equipped with. Paul Lockman is doing a little dance so I don't in have to go the control room. Be like, ah, that connects to the wrong thing. Well, see, this also means that all of you iPhone users for the past 10 years... If you want to upgrade 
are going to have to like get rid of your unique charging. Yeah. I'm not super worried about that. I got like a whole crate of uh, USB-C. Well, of, <laughs> of all kinds of things. I got like a XLR to a quarter inch connector over here. Uh-huh, I got yeah, like a, oh yeah, me too. Yep. The uh, the quarter inch to the mini plug connector. Mm-hmm, I got a male to female mm-hmm. and a male to male. Mm-hmm. And I've got a uh, let's see. I got. Do you have a USB-C US- though? I got some USB-Cs. I got some USB-As to USB-Cs. Nice. Oh. I got all kinds yeah. of different things. You know, the the big bummer was when, you know, the, the latest Macs came out. And the only thing, that, the only way you could plug anything to, into them is with a USB-C thing. So all my things that have USB, the other kinds, you have to get an adapter so that can go into the USB-C. I know, yeah. And, it's of course, the, uh, there was some talk about this. A while and now it's finally being launched but the first time i saw usbc trending on twitter anna mitchell you know what i thought oh boy i can't wait to find out what are the bishops up to now <laughs> that's lame <laughs> i'm sorry it was just <laughs> hanging right out there USB-C. it's time to move on the Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He is the author, along with Father Thomas Acklin, of Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. And today we get to talk about Lexio Divina. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you as well. And I know many of our listeners have engaged in the practice of Lexio Divina before, either privately or maybe at a retreat. But if you could, give us a quick uh, kind of summary of what it is, and then we'll kind of dive into to, uh, maybe how to participate in, in a little bit more on a personal level. Yeah, to say it simply, Lectio Divina is just praying with sacred scripture. So not just reading it, not just studying it, not using it to prepare a homily or a talk, but praying with it. And maybe to say it uh, additionally, to, to ask the question, how is God speaking to me today through this scripture passage. So it's a it's approach of, uh, of of reading, meditating, praying with, and contemplating sacred scripture. Well, I think that there are those of us who, when we hear those four stages of Lexio Divina, the, uh, you know, the, the Lexio, the reading, right? Then you've got the Meditatio, the meditation, then the Oratio, the prayer, and the Contemplatio, the contemplation. I, I think that we understand the reading, but it can be, I think, difficult to figure out how you set those other three apart from one another because <laughs> there's a lot of overlap, uh, generally speaking, between meditation and contemplation and prayer. Yeah, and the description of Lectio Divina, I would like to say it's it's uh, less steps and more interior movements. It's, you know, the... Uh, Lectio Divina is an ancient practice. It's really what the fathers of the church were doing when they were reading Scripture in a careful way, slowly allowing it to open up before them, realizing it's the Word of God so that no word is accidental. Every word is intentional. It's also a living word, and so God continues to speak to it. So we, we approach the Scripture with a certain faith in Scripture being a unique form of writing, not like any other writing, but truly authored by God. So doing that, uh, they were just doing that. And then it was almost a millennium later, Guigo the Carthusian in the uh, 11th century decided to try and pay attention to what he was doing and then tease that out into some, some movements, I like to call them, 
interiorly. And the, and the movements involve reading slowly, Lexio, and then thinking about. That's how we mean meditation in this context. You're right, these words get so overloaded uh, and used in different ways. But in this context, meditation means basically thinking about, questioning. I like to ask the question, how do I see God's love for me in this particular passage? And then read it slowly to discover a word, a phrase, some part of the passage that strikes me personally, and then explore that. Uh, I like to use Our Lady as an example of Lexio, and maybe I'll just track through that as I describe it. If you think of the Annunciation, where the angel came to Mary, the angel is like Scripture. He brings the Word of God to her, and then she questions it. First of all, she's deeply disturbed by the angel's greeting, and then uh, and she wonders what the angel might mean, and then the angel presents a message, and she questions it. How can this be, since I do not know man? So this is the meditation phase of sacred scripture, questioning it, exploring it, thinking about it. And then uh, the oratio, the prayer stage, is our response. How do I respond to this word of God to me? And again, if we think about Our Lady, eventually she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. So this is my personal response, my prayer to God, my speaking to him in response to his word. And then the, the final movement, and and we should be aware, you know, the, the thinking and responding, the, the questioning and responding, it only goes back and forth once with Mary and, and the angel, but could go back and forth many times with us. We may stay in that space of Lectio Divina for quite a while, uh, wondering what this word means, allowing it to strike me. It opens up something for me, and then I respond uh, in some way. But then I, I may be moved uh, eventually to be in the Lord's, I'm in the Lord's presence, I feel His closeness to me, I feel His love for me, and, and at that point I just stop, because the goal of Lexio is not to get information, the goal of Lexio is to, to enter into the Lord's presence and simply uh, receive His love, and that's, that's what contemplation means in this context, is that sort of resting in His presence, resting in His love. And we can think of how Mary did that, of course, after saying, after her prayer, uh, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Uh, then uh, the Lord, the word was literally in her, and she was able to contemplate, we might say, just be in his presence. You know, I think that's such an important uh, way to look at it, and uh, appropriate for this Feast of the Queenship of Mary. I think it also helps us, uh, because so often when people say, well, Catholics don't know their Bible— uh, what people mean by that is they don't know how to defend themselves in an apologetic argument, <laughs> you know, from right. chapter and verse in the scriptures. But this kind of knowing our Bible seems like a very different sort of approach to knowing the scriptures, a different sense of the word know. Yeah, that's right. We're really soaking in the scriptures and drawing in words. We're not memorizing chapter and verse, and we're not using the scripture in an apologetic way in this context. It's really become the, become the texture of a relationship. Yeah, the texture of a relationship. That's a great way to put it. Uh, but uh, Father Boniface Hicks, I know that our listeners are want, going to want to know more about this and a whole bunch of other ways to approach the question of personal prayer. So we've got a link to your book that you did with Father Thomas Acklin at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much, as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Matt. God bless you. 
All right. It is quarter past. we got headlines with Anna Mitchell coming up next. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You know, I have never seen women who want to be equal absolutely degrading themselves. And yet the media degrades your nature, your beauty as a woman, your your goodness. Let us pray. At some point, our dear Lord touches their hearts. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. More rain is expected to fall in parts of the West today as former tropical storm Hillary moves through the region. After closing the Jesuit-run Central American University in Managua last week, authorities in Nicaragua have now expelled a community of Jesuit priests from their residence close to that university. And the Holy See has confirmed that a part two of Laudato Sea is in the works. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, annual tradition. Annual tradition. Taking place this weekend in Birmingham. Indeed. At the Jefferson Convention Complex there. The EWTN Family Celebration. It's free. And I know that some of you listening will be down there. So since you and I won't be down there, if you're going... We need you to be ambassadors for the Sunrise we Morning Show. We need you to, what is it? Re- some representation. The high fiver, is that Vicar- right? Be our vicariously high fiver. How about a fist, fist bumpers? bumpers? Yeah, okay. So you go down there and you'd be like, hey, I'm here on behalf of the Sunrise Morning Show because they've got to get their kids ready for the start of school and they couldn't come this year. I would really like someone to fist bump Michael Warsaw for me. Okay. Do you have um, a, I already Maybe saw Father, Father Wade Menezes. Father yeah. Wade Menezes, I, I already saw him this year. So I've gotten to fist bump him this year, but I haven't. I It's been years. Since you got to fist bump Father Mitch? I was going to say Jim and Joy. Oh, Jim and Joy. Who are... They wake up to your voice, Matt. That's a terrifying thought. <laughs> but uh, Jim and Joy, I've only ever met them in person like once, and they were so nice to me. I was I've like, never met them in person. I was like, Jim and Joy, I don't deserve the niceness I don't, that, uh, I don't deserve you. that I'm experiencing from you. 
Um, but yeah, it, of course, uh, Father Joseph Mary will be down there. Uh, that's that's his house, essentially. But yeah. um, you know, the priests that you see so often and hear on Catholic radio, who celebrate Mass. Uh, usually right after the Sunrise Morning Show goes off the air, uh, depending on where you live and what your station is, you can hear these voices. And you can go see them in person at the EWTN family celebration. A lot of stuff about Mother Angelica because this is a centennial year of her birth. meaning She would have been 100 years old this year. 100 years old birthday this year. Wow. So EWTN.com slash family celebration. You can find all the details. And if you do go and are vicarious fist bumpers on behalf of the Sunrise Morning Show. You got to take a photo. You got to take pictures. We'll put it up on Facebook. Absolutely. Most definitely. Meanwhile, I'll be trying to figure out if we have enough school pants. And uh, Oh, I know, right? Rama starts school tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. I know. Goodness gracious. That's its own sort of family celebration. <laughs> Let me tell you, she's celebrating more than anyone else. She's like, get me out of this Day house one of summer boys. vacation. Mom, I'm bored. It's 21 past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. And Dr. Joseph Zaylaw will discuss the ethics of the doctor-patient relationship. Kristen Gallagher will share the latest news and events from Cincinnati, St. Vincent to Paul. I'll reflect on the queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon, beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, proudly partnering with Dayton Right to Life and the Stork's Nest Baby Pantry to support babies and families in need. More information online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply. A Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Who continues? I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre, and he is the Senior Director for the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus, online at knowingisdoing.com. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. So school's getting ready to start back up. There are going to be a lot of people listening who are involved in Catholic schools, maybe teaching yeah. Catholic schools. Uh, but as the saying goes, we don't teach kids at Catholic schools because they're Catholic. We teach them because 
we're Catholic, which means yeah. that there are going to be a range of people from different backgrounds very often in these Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit about the tightrope um, that some teachers have to walk in presenting a truly Catholic perspective on things without uh, alienating people, but also without really watering it down to accommodate all the different backgrounds in the room. Oh, absolutely. It's it, it's inevitable with uh, every new school year, especially in, in an environment where you may have a, a certain number of uh, students or a percentage of the population that, that may not be Catholic, uh, whether Protestant in nature or uh, other non-denominational or for, from another uh, uh, particular uh, faith itself. And so a, a teacher has to hopefully come to a realization that they're there for a particular reason to express and expose and proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, now that could take many forms. And obviously a Catholic school being Catholic, uh, its basic premise is the teachings of the Catholic Church in, in a faithful, loving way. But what do you do when, uh, when you're stuck in the middle or you tend to sway with not offending someone because you're teaching the faith? Well, um, this this happens every year, but in particular, this particular local situation, where a teacher just calmly asks me, "Well, what do I do if 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 I've got students who don't understand Catholicism who are not Catholic, but but they're there and their parents are sending them there for a particular reason?" I said, "Well, don't deviate." Uh, the basic premise of why you're there is to really expose them to the truth and beauty and goodness of the Catholic Church. Now, uh, be be it that they're not Catholic, that that's all right, but there's probably intent, hopefully, by the parents of why they're sending their child to a Catholic school and that the school is Catholic and it will present uh, a Catholic core curriculum. And so I told her, make sure that you, you expose them to just uh, the, the body, heart, and mind of the faith. And that they understand that, that this is a true faith, that this is a faith that is really aimed at bringing someone to a fuller realization of who they are as a child of God. And that's where you begin with the foundation. That's not dumbing anything down. We've heard this from Bishop Barron recently where we've dumbed down the faith so much that it basically can't be seen. But what we're doing is building the steps for a child to see that Catholicism is Christ. And Christ established this beautiful faith for a particular reason, and that we have this entire, just complete, beautiful development of uh, our anthropology that aims to bring us to heaven. So really, we, tr- we try to encourage our teachers to lay that foundation first, but be firm, but don't deviate. You know, uh, I've seen a lot of people kind of misunderstand what Bishop Barron meant by that idea oh, of yeah. not dumbing down the faith. And it doesn't mean that everybody's got to come away from a conversation with you being a Thomistic scholar Exactly. (laughs) Right. But what it means is like, you know, have a sense of who you are, like have a real sense of what sets um, what we're doing here apart. Uh, You know, why is this a Catholic? Why do we have Catholic in the name of our school? Why do we have a Mm -hmm. saint's name in the name of our school? What's different here? You know, what what is it that we're doing that makes us want to do things this way? Like what where's that coming from? I think that you know, kids who are in that classroom, families who decide they want to go to a Catholic school, I mean, they know it's different. They know maybe that mm-hmm. there's going to be better discipline or better academics mm-hmm. or better sports or better something. Uh, mm-hmm. But this is all flowing from a, a, a unique, specific source, right? Our sacramental worldview and all of that, everything that goes into that. And I, I think it's it's it, it, letting people know where that all comes from is, I mean, I think it's a great thing to do. Oh, absolutely. There, there's a, there's a, there are two things that the Catholic Church always presents to us. Uh, there's an attractive beauty and truth. 
And and these are things that we tend to forget that the church really um, has as part of its makeup by our Lord. And there's an attractiveness becomes it is Jesus Christ. There's an evidential beauty in that our Lord died for us because he loved us so much and that our own creation in the image and likeness of God really bears that resemblance. And that the truth is, Christ is truth. He presents the truth in a very unique way, in a way where he leaves us with a beautiful church. He leaves us with the sacramental life. He leaves us with an understanding of the commandments through the Beatitudes, that all these progressions are meant to really build up the kingdom of God and build ourselves up. But the teacher has to have this, this attraction as well. The teacher needs to see and display this in the, in the, in the classroom where, where the teacher really is in love with our Lord. And a student will gravitate to that love. He will be curious and ask the teacher, why do you love him so much? Why are you stressing prayer so much? Why is there a corpus in the classroom? Why do we have to begin every day with prayer? Uh, why are we taking a noonday Angelus break? What is the Angelus, so to speak? All those things are evidence of beauty. And a child will resonate with that. And really, uh, it will stir their curiosity to investigate the truth more. Well, that's a much better answer than why are we praying at the beginning of every class? Well, because the principal, you know, Sister <laughs> Bernadette makes us That's do right. it. Uh, don't worry about it. It will only take two minutes, <laughs> right? I mean, this is a very right. different kind of thing. I mean, we're not doing this because we're required to do it. I mean, we want. I mean, the the uh, the difference of going to a Catholic school means that we are going to take. Uh, great pains and make good efforts to do things differently, even when we're not all feeling like it. Uh, but oh, that absolutely. still um, should have kind of like a a sum total of joy at the end of the day, even if mm -hmm. it's not happy clappy every single day along the way through the school year. So Amen. good stuff, Marlon De La Torre. If our listeners want to connect with you and uh, maybe get some thoughts on catechesis and all of it as we head into a new school year, how do they do so? They can really connect with me at knowingisdoing.org or look me up in the Diocese of Columbus. All right. Sounds great. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Of course, new school year means new football season. So I'll let you say it on your way out, Marlon. Uh, thank you, Matt. Go Bucks. There it is. There it is. Uh, we just lost our entire Ave Maria radio listening audience in Michigan. Oh, well. We'll get him back for the news. Check Marlon out at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. There's a new bishop of Great Falls, Billings, Montana today. Pope Francis has ex officially accepted the retirement of Bishop Michael Warfel. Succeeding him is Bishop Jeffrey Fleming, who has been serving as the coadjutor and will automatically take the reins of the diocese as of today. After closing the Jesuit-run Central American University in Managua last week, authorities in Nicaragua have now expelled a community of Jesuit priests from their private residence close to the university. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In a press release, the Conference of Jesuit Provincials of Latin America and the Caribbean said that on the 19th of August, the community was ordered by the police to leave Villa Carmen, their personal residence, despite showing documents proving that the building was not part of the university, but a private property belonging to the Jesuits. The Jesuit priests are safe and now hosted in the Centro Sant'Ignacio in the Nicaraguan capital. 
The expulsion is the latest move in the crackdown of Daniel Ortega's Sandinista regime against the Catholic Church and the opposition. On August the 16th, the Nicaraguan authorities confiscated the prestigious Jesuit Central American University, alleging that it was a center of terrorism. The allegation has been rejected by the university's management as totally false and unfounded. The Jesuit Superior General, Father Arturo de Sosa, joined last week in expressing solidarity with the Jesuits in Nicaragua while appealing for paths of dialogue. The closure of UCA and the subsequent expulsion of the Jesuits come a year after the arrest of Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matacalpa, who has been sentenced to over 26 years in jail and is currently detained in a high-security prison in Managua. Over the past months, several organizations have appealed for his liberation. The appeal was reiterated last week by the Inter-American Commission of Human Rights and the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights for Anglophone Central America and the Caribbean. I am Lisa Zingarini. The Holy See has confirmed that a part two of the encyclical Laudato Si is in the works. Vatican News reports the Holy Father had revealed in off-the-cuff remarks to a delegation from the Council of Europe yesterday that he was working on a second part to the encyclical in order to update it to current issues. Vatican Press Director Matteo Bruni later said the updated version will focus in particular on the most recent extreme weather events and catastrophes affecting people across five continents. More rain is expected to fall in parts of the West today as Hillary moves through the region. The system made history this week as the first tropical storm to hit Southern California in decades, bringing record-breaking rainfall, extreme flooding, and power outages. Schools in San Diego and Los Angeles that were closed yesterday are set to reopen today. Nevada also saw heavy rain, while states as far north as Oregon and Idaho could still see flooding. Hillary has since weakened into a post-tropical cyclone. President Biden says the people of Maui will have everything they need to recover after the deadly wildfires there. More from Mark Mayfield. While touring the town of Lahaina on Monday, he met with families of victims and thanked first responders. He also stressed how much he wants Maui to regain its same character as it rebuilds. Officials say 850 people are still missing as search and rescue efforts continue, and 114 people have been confirmed dead. The wildfires tore through Maui earlier this month, with the historic town of Lahaina receiving most of the damage. I'm Mark Mayfield. The controversial former bishop of Albany, Albany, who just weeks ago had announced that he had entered into an invalid civil marriage, has died. Bishop Emeritus Howard Hubbard died Saturday at the age of 84. Hubbard, though accused, maintained that he never committed abuse, but did admit to failing to report and to reassigning abusive priests. Current Albany Bishop Edward Scharfenberger released a statement saying, quote, we join with everyone who can see this moment as an occasion to pray for all priests, living and deceased, and those they serve. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour.
the podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith let you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of the Queenship of Mary, Tuesday, August the 22nd. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockeman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be hot again today. Right now, temperatures in the lower to mid-70s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly to mostly sunny today, not quite as humid with a high of 90 degrees. Clear skies and warm tonight with an overnight low of 68. Partly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 94. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly sunny and hazy today, high around 86. Some clouds early tonight will be turning to generally clear conditions overnight with an overnight low of 65. Partly sunny tomorrow with a high of 92. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Stephanie Mann back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Go read her blog over at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. It's named after her book. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Hannah. It is good, good to, to talk have you. you. Again. Yes, good to talk to you. And we are continuing yes. our journey through Father Henry Sebastian Bowden's Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors, available through Sophia Institute Press. And today we're talking about Blessed Thomas Percy, who by my count, gets four entries in this book, but not to be confused with his father, who is also yes. Thomas Percy, who gets an entry right. earlier in the book, uh, because he's famous in his own right, is he not? Yes, he is. Uh, his, Thomas Percy's father, Thomas Percy, was uh, <laughs> one of those who led the Pilgrimage of Grace during the reign of Henry VIII, trying to save the monasteries, which were in, in the process of being suppressed and dissolved in, <clears throat> during Henry VIII's reign. He's not considered a martyr per se, even though he was fighting for the church because it, it was maybe more political or, or anyway, he just hasn't been considered a martyr by the church. But his mm -hmm. son has been beatified as a martyr because in his uh, Two reigns later, during the reign of Elizabeth I, he not only tried to stop the spread of or, or the to protect Catholicism and protect uh, the Catholics, <clears throat> excuse me, practicing their faith, but also he actually had the chance to renounce his faith, which his father did not have. So mm. that's kind of the reason the father's not a saint, but but the uh, son is has been beatified as therefore saint in heaven. 
Yeah, so let's talk more about the life of, of Blessed Thomas sure. Percy. So his he was just a kid when when his dad died. And, yes. I mean, as he, he grows yes. up, he maintains a, a good degree of civility under the reign of Elizabeth I, right? Y- yes. He, he's, well, of course, he's, a, you know, he's in the extreme north of England, and therefore in the Yorkshire and, and in that area, Northumberland, etc. And so Elizabeth and her counselors re- rely on someone like him, a man of, of wealth and, and uh, authority, to maintain her laws in some ways and, and to maintain order. So, yes, he's given many uh, – He's given much approval for her at the beginning of her reign, but then comes the time when she is beginning the beginning of the suppression of Catholicism, uh, outlawing the mass, making it illegal to attend mass, and and saying that you're going to be fined if you don't attend mass. Uh, I mean, attend the the Anglican Church uh, services. So he then is turning more and more toward thinking there's going to have to be an overthrow of Elizabeth the first. And therefore, he becomes a rebel against her in the same way that his father was a rebel against Henry VIII. But the difference is, again, that when he is captured and, and taken at finally and, and held in prison, held in a castle in Scotland for three years, he continues to practice his faith and will not be moved away from that. And, and therefore, he is uh, even in the midst of his imprisonment, he's still defending the faith and, and standing up for it. Absolutely. Talk more about what what Father Bowden has to say about his imprisonment. Yes. Well, Father Bowden, I always think it's interesting to look at the title that he chooses and mm-hmm. the verse that he from the scripture that he he chooses. So he is he he has this. Uh, the title is that uh, Friday abstinence. So you know that's going to be key to the long-standing tradition of Catholics abstaining from meat or doing some kind of now doing some kind of other penance on every Friday not just those in Lent and then his the verse he takes is from the second book of Maccabees uh, describing Eleazar one of the chief of the scribes who was pressed to open his mouth to eat swine's flesh but he choosing rather a more more glorious death than a hateful life went forward voluntarily to the torment. Mm. So this is in the midst of the Maccabean Wars and the persecution of the Jews. Eleazar is told to eat pork. He will not, and therefore he's taken off to be martyred. And the parallel that Father Bowden is suggesting and highlighting is that while he's in prison, Sir Thomas Percy will not eat meat on Fridays. It's presented to him, and that's all that's served to him on Fridays, but he won't eat it. Uh, he continues to maintain his devotions and prayers. He's they, he's being held by a Calvinist member of the royal family in, in uh, noble families in, in Scotland, and so Calvinists come to his uh, cell in, in the Lucklevin castle and try to argue with him and try to convince him to change his faith and become a Calvinist, and he holds firm. So that's the the, the pattern that, that Father Bowden is trying to emphasize. Is he maintains his Catholic devotions, he maintains his Catholic faith, and he continues to argue it and resist the temptation to save his life by simply going to a Church of England or a Kirk of Scotland church service. He maintains his faith. Yeah, in spite of the fact, I mean, it says at the beginning of of this passage um, that he was torn from his friends and followers and from his wife and his four little girls. I mean, he had this family at home that he could have very easily 
been released by going to one of these uh, one of these uh, services, and and yet his his mm-hmm. fortitude in this and and his his continued fasting even in prison brought about more conversions. Yes, and and also it, it brought him to again practice his faith so clearly that that uh, everyone remarked upon it that he was a brave and and good man in this way i think also as we're talking about and as you as we emphasize that reminds me a lot of saint sir saint philip howard who also in prison maintained his during elizabeth the first reign maintained his devotions and was tempted in the same way you know he said he wanted to see his his uh, uh youngest his new baby boy and elizabeth said well of course you can see him all you have to do is to, to say that you'll become an anglican and and everything will be fine and mm-hmm. yet the same thing that in the same way sir, sir thomas percy maintained this faith and would yes. never go away as he says he would never depart from the smallest matter from the communion of the catholic church eventually he was uh, beheaded on august 22nd and 1572 May he pray for us. Thank you so much, Stephanie Mann. You can find supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. John Cutterback joins us. He's going to be teaching a free course with the Institute of Catholic Culture on the cardinal virtues. We'll talk more about that with him coming up next. It's 16 till. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Bernadette Pogusky, Executive Director of WCCR Cleveland, AM 1260 The Rock. Why do we need Catholic Radio? To reach the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are searching for deeper meaning and don't know where to turn. To bring clarity to a world full of lies and confusion. And to share the good news of joy and mercy with a world so desperate for the truth. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio. Now more than ever. Do you worry about not having enough money? We'd love for you to chime in today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 
14 till. Here's Anna with headlines. There is a new bishop of Great Falls Billings, Montana today. After closing the Jesuit-run Central American University in Managua last week, authorities in Nicaragua have now expelled a community of Jesuit priests from a nearby residence. And the Holy See has confirmed that part two of Laudato Si is in the works. Next newscast in about 15-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. John Cutterback. He's philosophy professor at Christendom College. You can find him and his excellent blog and his man or woman of the household course over at his site, life-craft.org. And he's going to be teaching a course on the cardinal virtues for the Institute of Catholic Culture coming up soon. Good morning, Dr. Cutterback. Good morning, Annie. It's so good to have you back. So this is a 10-week course. It'll be live over Zoom on Monday nights starting Monday, September the 11th. Registration now open, and as is everything at the Institute of Catholic Culture, completely free of charge to take this course with you. Um, First of all, what are the cardinal virtues? Can you take us through them? And actually, I mean, why are they called cardinal? Huh. Trying to get a little part of the course here, are you? Huh? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the uh, these four have been kind of set apart from all other virtues going way, way back um, already in Plato's Republic, uh, several centuries B.C. there in Athens. Um, Socrates, Plato are mentioning them as kind of, the, they don't use the word cardinal. Cardinal is from a word in Latin that means hinge. And so it's kind of, they're the hinge virtues. They're the ones that kind of everything else in the moral life depends upon. They're kind of the roots of the, not the only virtues, but naturally speaking, from the viewpoint of natural reason, they're the ones that are kind of the foundations. So they're, they're really at the, at, at the center of understanding what a good human life is. Can you talk about what sort of... I. I don't know if this is the right way to ask it, but what sort of sets them apart from, say, like the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love? Yeah, well, the, I mean, faith, hope, and love, of course, as theological, they, uh, in, in the Christian dispensation, this is a fascinating thing, um, they, of course, have, have, have a primacy, and it's very much here you see an instance of what you can say the relationship between grace and nature, which is one of the most wonderful aspects of God's creating human persons, that there's a kind of flourishing according to nature, and then God calls us to this further supernatural, of course, super means above, kind of beyond, above and beyond the natural, though always, as the great theologian St. Thomas Aquinas points out, what the supernatural never contradicts the natural, but it's the kind of fulfillment and perfection of it. So that's mm-hmm. what you could say here, that faith, hope, and charity are supernatural virtues. Uh, they come along with grace when we are baptized, and they have the um, special power of being able to unite us more directly to God. But that doesn't in any way leave behind the cardinal virtues. You can say they give a kind of deeper root, a deeper reason to be living the cardinal virtues, too. So they're all part of the wonderful panoply of the fullness of the Christian life. 
Absolutely. So prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Now, Doc, I know that that at LifeCraft, you're all about crafting the good life, right? So how does, with that in mind, cultivating the cardinal virtues, how do how cultivating the cardinal virtues help lead to the good life, do you think? Yeah, well, great question. I'm going to just off the ante, just kind of help lead to it. It, it is it. Mm. I, I mean, the wow. cult of, this, is, this is what the great philosophers point out, the theologians are going to kind of go right along with them. Living virtuously doesn't get you the reward of happiness. Living virtuously is really what constitutes human happiness and human flourishing. So you can say, they, when we come to understand them better, I mean, here's really the pitch, to understand those virtues better is to understand better exactly what we most want to be crafting in our lives every day, in our homes, whatever our vocation is, to be crafting temperance, to be crafting courage, justice, prudence, this kind of queen overseeing them. This, this is the nuts and bolts. This is in the weeds. This is the very stuff of trying to be the person God designed us to be. Yes. So how will you be teaching about them, Dr. Cutterback? Well, the best I can. It's a wonderful, wonderful challenge that I have. Our approach is going to be fundamentally philosophical. We're going to use a bit of Aristotle, because Aristotle is the ancient master of unfolding these things, and he's the one that St. Thomas Aquinas follows when then in his great summa of theology he lays forth these four. So we'll be going back to the kind of philosophical roots. We're going to use a great 20th century uh, master named Joseph Pieper, who has a book called The Four Cardinal Virtues. And yeah, I always like to say beforehand, Annie, it, 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 these are things that we need to study our whole life. So it's not like, here's the complete course on, but it's here's come and get a little more confident. Get your, get your feet wet and grounded Get more confidence in being able to read and study about these things on your own by doing it together in the classroom with a teacher who's had the opportunity to be studying these things as part of his vocation for a while. And um, we're going to do some really rich things using some great text. Well, I'm really excited about this, particularly getting to read Joseph Pieper's thought on the four cardinal virtues. Many will recognize him as uh, the guy that we always uh, appeal to when talking about the true nature of leisure. So mm-hmm. how does he treat the, the, the four cardinal virtues? Just quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he actually wrote individual books, the first one on, on temperance and courage, and then a specific one on uh, justice, a specific one on prudence. Then they've all been translated and woven together into one book. He basically is using St. Thomas Aquinas and trying to unfold it in a way that applies it to life. It's rich stuff, and it's not a a quick, short read, but but it's precisely the kind of read that uh, introduces you into the great richness of our tradition. Honestly, I can't think of a better combination. Dr. John Cudaback teaching Joseph Pieper on the four cardinal virtues, in addition to Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas, who, you know, they're pretty good, too. <laughs> not bad. Anyway. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. We've been talking to Dr. John Cudaback, and you can find the Institute of Catholic Culture linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Again, this is a 10-week course. It's live over Zoom, so you can take it from anywhere in the country. It starts on Monday, September the 11th, and is, of course, 
free of charge. And you can also find Lifecraft linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Go check out all of what Dr. Cutterback has going on over there. Doc, thank you so much. Always great to be with you, Annie. It was great to have you. And uh, Matt, we're wrapping up the, uh, I think we're wrapping up the ICC book club with, yes, we are, with Joseph Pierce on Brideshead Revisited. Oh, yeah. How's that been going? Um, Amazing. Cool. Are you shocked to hear that? No, I'm not shocked to hear that. (laughs) So that wraps up tomorrow at the Institute of Catholic Culture. So if you're ready for the surprise ending of Brideshead Revisited. Ooh, I know the surprise. I know you know the surprise. I know you do. I know you do, Chessie. I was Um, waiting for it. And then um, on Monday, Peter Kraft is going to be speaking at the ICC on Blaise Pascal. Oh, wow. So Kraft on Pascal. I know, right? That should be fun. Did I ever tell you about the time that I went into Peter Crape's office and interviewed him there? Yeah. Doesn't he have a chess set that's like Yankees versus yeah, Red versus Sox? Yeah, Red Sox. And uh, you may recall, I was like, I said to him, nice chess board. He says, yes, that's the Red Sox versus the forces of evil. <laughs> I was like, I, I agree with you, Dr. Crape. That's uh, amazing. We just alienated all the Michigan fans with Marlon De La Torre. Now I alienated all the Yankees fans. I mean, honestly, I alienate all of the Ave Maria fans. That's terrible. This time of year, every year. It's terrible. It's terrible. You going to who? Who would? Who's the arch enemy of the Tennessee Volunteers? Florida, Alabama, Alabama, Florida. Well, depends on the era. Right now. Wait, Adam over at uh, Covenant Radio is about to start his show. We gotta say something mean about the mean Cardinals. Mean about the Cardinals, too. yeah. Oof. We well, we'll have to it. save some of this for, for later. It's a good idea. We're back. I'm into back it. After the break, for some of you, it is three minutes till. Family, even though it's still summer, here's news that will warm your heart. After our appeal for special funds, not only did a number of small gifts arrive quickly, but we also received a check for $26,000, dropping the summer deficit to just $7,000 in a week. Thank you so much. So if it is possible to give a gift of any amount to help wipe out our deficit, then please visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate. And again, thank you. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With their exclusive Life Care Plus protection, if something goes wrong with your new Honda, you're covered. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. 
www.engagedencounter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Tuesday, the 22nd of August, the Feast of the Queenship of Mary. Let's pray a prayer to Our Lady Health of the Sick together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Our Lady Health of the Sick, I look to you for the comfort of a mother's love. I pray to you on behalf of those who are suffering and for my own healing needs. Mary, your love strengthens me and brings me peace. Our Lady Health of the Sick, embrace all who are emotionally and physically ill that they may return to good health under your tender care. And please intercede for my very special needs. Mary, your love strengthens me and brings me peace. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, health of the sick, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're hanging out with us this morning on this 22nd day of the month of August, heading towards the start of a new school year for many of you, those of you who've got kids in the house or perhaps kids out of the house in college, or maybe you are that kid, or maybe you're not a kid anymore, technically. But either way, we're going to help you finish out the summer well as you head back. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls and up this hour... Father Tad Pakolchik will be with us from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Uh, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has been having some discussions about brain death, and uh, this is a very important conversation, and it's sometimes a little confusing, so always great to have Father Tad to help us unpack such questions. Father Philip LeRae joins us. He is, of course, an AI expert, as it were, and Thomistic scholar from Rome, and uh, we're going to talk about a new AI baby app that would let you know what your baby might look like and how it's causing some people who might not otherwise want to have kids to perhaps want to have kids. But is it maybe producing some false expectations as well? We'll talk about that with Father Philip LeRae. Steve Ray will talk about heaven and hell in the Bible. And then Chris McGregor on this Feast of the Queenship of Mary will talk about what St. Bernard of Clairvaux had to say 
about Mary as queen. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. There's a new bishop of Great Falls, Billings, Montana today. Pope Francis has officially accepted the retirement of Bishop Michael Warfel and succeeding him as Bishop Jeffrey Fleming, who has been serving as the coadjutor of the diocese and now automatically takes the reins as of today. Cleanup efforts continue in Southern California after former tropical storm Hillary blew through. In Los Angeles, hundreds of trees that were downed in the storm on Sunday and early yesterday remain on the ground and need to be cleared. The rain tapered off yesterday in the Los Angeles area, allowing utility crews to work quickly to bring the power back on for many. Schools in Los Angeles are resuming normal operations today after being closed yesterday out of an abundance of caution. President Biden says the people of Maui will have everything they need to recover after the deadly wildfires there. More from Mark Mayfield. While touring the town of Lahaina on Monday, he met with families of victims and thanked first responders. He also stressed how much he wants Maui to regain its same character as it rebuilds. Officials say 850 people are still missing as search and rescue efforts continue and 114 people have been confirmed dead. The wildfires tore through Maui earlier this month with the historic town of Lahaina receiving most of the damage. I'm Mark Mayfield. The central U.S. is entering a potentially brutal heat wave as temperatures are forecast to soar. The mercury could reach north of 100 degrees for the rest of the week from the Midwest to the Gulf Coast. Heat warnings and advisories are in place across 18 states from Louisiana to Minnesota. The National Weather Service warns that the temperatures could potentially be deadly without adequate cooling or hydration. The Holy See has confirmed that a part two of Laudato Si is in the works. Vatican News reports the Holy Father revealed in off-the-cuff remarks to a delegation from the Council of Europe yesterday that he was working on a second part to the encyclical to update it to current issues. Vatican Press Director Matteo Bruni said later that the updated version will focus in particular on the most recent extreme weather events and catastrophes that have affected people across five continents. Pope Francis has written the foreword to the Italian translation of the autobiography of Servant of God Dorothy Day. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis recalls how she arrived at Christian faith from the grace that flows from charity, the beauty that flows from witness, and love that is expressed concretely through service more than any human efforts or strategies. He recalled how Pope Benedict XVI said that the church grows through attraction, not by proselytism. And we see this in Dorothy Day's conversion, life and witness. Declared a servant of God in 2000, American Dorothy Day dedicated her life to social justice and human rights, especially the poor, exploited workers marginalized by society. Pope paid tribute to her life witness by writing that we can all learn from her restlessness, her understanding of the church, and how she served others. Describing the restlessness of Dorothy Day, the Pope writes about her path from abandoning religious practice to discovering it once again, as she was always searching and open to the spiritual quest that led her to rediscover faith in God, seeing it as the fullness of life and the way to happiness. Dorothy Day came to see God as not only our consolation, but the fulfillment of our desire for meaning and joy. The Pope then looked at the beautiful words Dorothy Day had for the Catholic Church, despite the failings and weaknesses of its members. As her adherence to the truths of faith grew, 
Pope writes, so did her consideration of the divine nature of the Catholic Church. Dorothy Day's concrete outreach to assist others as an activist and a journalist became a sort of highway with which God touched her heart, the Pope writes, and she shows how the struggle for justice offers a way to realize God's dream of a reconciled humanity. The Pope adds that even today, believers and non-believers can be allies in promoting the dignity of every person when they love and serve the most abandoned persons. I'm Dennis Jones. And Major League Baseball is on pace to see its biggest jump in attendance since the league expanded 25 years ago. Forbes reports attendance is up more than 9% this season through August 14th. That's the largest increase since it went up more than 11% when the league added the Arizona Diamondbacks and Tampa Bay Rays back in 1998. Forbes says the league is projected to see a total attendance of 70.5 million fans this season, the highest since 2017. Several factors like faster games, thanks to new rules, and some teams lowering ticket prices are being accredited for the jump in attendance. Matt, Which one of those thoughts? two things would make you want to go to a ballpark more? Shorter games I or lower ticket prices? Like would you tell me which one? Which one do you think? Well, lower ticket prices, of course. Well, yeah. But then again, I was a baseball fan already, so I was too. I was going to watch anyway. So I, wasn't gonna I go don't to know. The games. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch I mean, the whole thing. Honestly, I prefer watching on television. You see more, and I don't have to worry about the children getting bored. That's true. I mean, but if it's if it's nice, there's nothing quite like being at the ballpark. I mean, it's true, but... Although I will say this, you know, I live about equal distance, roughly, as the crow flies from the Nationals Park and the Orioles Park, and the Nationals Park is a bit of a bit of a challenge to get in and out of, very expensive, but the Orioles Park, man. Okay, I've never been to the Orioles Park. You it's took me... Cool Camden Yard. You took me to the Nationals Park. Yes. Way back when, and the view from there... It's pretty cool is incredible but you uh but you're right it's expensive and kind of difficult to get in in. yeah it's whereas camden yard it's like i mean it's a class it's now they finally got a good team up there too in baltimore it's a cool park well you'll have to take me there sometime 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 one of these days one of these days one of these days well today is tuesday august the 22nd it is the feast of the queen ship of mary we will talk more about that uh, in light of St. Bernard of Clairvaux with uh, Chris McGregor from Discerning Hearts at the end of the hour. Hope you can stay around for it. Right now it's nine past and Father Tad Pekulczyk joins us now on the Sunrise Morning Show from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Father, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Annie. Good to be with you. It is good to have you. So the U.S. bishops have signed on to a statement from the National Catholic Bioethics Center to what's known as the Uniform Law Commission. There's a proposed revision to a law that would, am I right about this, essentially change the definition of death as it pertains to brain death? Yes. Uh, It's not actually a law, but it's a series of recommendations uh, that are made by the Uniform Law Commission. And then what happens is different states can modify their own laws about declaring people dead based on these recommendations from this special commission. So what happened was like 
40 years ago, uh, there was a special presidential commission that sort of stepped into this area and started looking at what's required for a valid declaration of death. And they wrote up what's come to be known as the UDDA, or Uniform Determination of Death Act. And it was very clearly written back then. Uh, And it basically said you had to have irreversible cessation of all functions of the brain uh, in order to be declared brain dead. And so this was what they recommended 40 years ago. It, uh, that recommendation was taken, and all 50 states of the United States borrowed language from their recommendation. Uh, and it's been sort of part of the legal and medical landscape ever since. And now there is pressure afoot to kind of go back and change this definition uh, in such a way that it would, in effect, lower uh, the, the, the requirements in order to be declared dead or deceased, uh, specifically in the realm of brain death declarations. So this is something that, you know, we've drafted this statement around to uh, say to the Uniform Law Commission that we're concerned about this proposed change and that it doesn't make sense to go in the direction they're suggesting what we instead should be doing is improving the kinds of tests Mm. that are done to patients to determine whether they have died or whether they're still alive. Well, tell me this, Father, why are they taking this under consideration at all at this point after you said 40 years? Yes. That's a a kind of complicated question because I think a lot of people, their first instinct is to say, well, this is just about getting more organs for Mm -hmm. organ donation. Um, And, you know, you hear that on the airwaves a bit, but I don't think that's quite, uh, quite the situation because this, the current set of tests that are being done to find out if somebody has died, uh, there's certain areas that have loopholes, if you will. Uh, There's a part of the brain that's kind of at the base of the brain called the hypothalamus, and there aren't any tests that are done to find out if that part of the brain is still working. And that's just how it is today. It's been sort of a a loophole that nobody's really addressed. And Mm -hmm. so what the Uniform Law Commission is doing is saying, well, let's just not worry too much about that, and let's just say if these other parts of the brain are are clearly not functioning, then we're good to go and we're going to call the person dead. And so, you know, it's allowing a kind of partial brain death uh, to definition to step in and take over. And that's clearly something that, you know, is not compatible with our understanding of what it means to be a human being and how we die Uh, We need to have that irreversible loss of all functions of the brain, not just some or a few or here or there. Uh, So, you know, the answer to your question is is that this appears to be something that has uh, arisen out of clinical practice that's been going on that's been a little bit loose, um, you know, or frayed around the edges, and we need to tighten up the clinical testing that's done and hold the same definition of brain death that we've always held 
and that will assure then that when your medical team you know comes to the family and says we're sorry to tell you that your loved one has died you know you'll be able to have reasonable certitude reasonable moral assurance that what they're telling you is indeed accurate and then there won't be any problem with you as a family signing the dotted line and saying well you know we would like to donate uh, his organs or her organs in this uh, unfortunate situation well father so, what would happen if the the commission goes with this proposal proposal as it stands that they they do decide to adopt this language that would essentially make partial brain death um okay for uh declaring total brain death well it means that you would have situations admittedly not very many or very common situations but you would have some of them a few of them where you would have individuals who would still have some parts of the brain especially that lower part that i mentioned the hypothalamus that would still be functioning Mm. and yet they could be declared dead so that's the problem here that you know we as the center are concerned about and so you would basically have a living person, a person who's still alive, who still has a functioning part of the brain, who would be able to be declared dead and whose organs could be taken. So uh, we need to be sure that the legal definitions around death and declaring death make sense and are in accord with the medical and biological understandings of death. We don't want to be setting up some separate kind of category here, which becomes then a fiction about what it means to die. Father, do you happen to know when the commission is going to make a ruling? Have they said? Um, You know, the latest that I've heard is that thanks to statements like the one that we issued uh, and other pressure from other quarters that they appear to be uh, delaying any decision on this uh, for the foreseeable future. Fantastic. Well, we will keep an eye on it. And uh, thank you so much, Father Tad Pekulczyk, for uh, unpacking this for us. If you'd like to read the full statement from the National Catholic Bioethics Center, you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Tad, thank you. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. It was great to have you. All right. It's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available.
EWTN, communicating the faith. The best way to practice not really being able to fully celebrate in other people's successes is to go to what you're grateful for in your own life. So when someone next to you is having a, a great success, you immediately go to, Lord, I'm so grateful. I have my health. Well, I have my husband. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. And all of a sudden, everything becomes just perfect. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. There's a new bishop of Great Falls, Billings, Montana today. President Biden has said the people of Maui will have everything they need to recover after the deadly wildfires he visited there yesterday. And the Holy See has confirmed that a part two of Laudato Sea is in the works. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell, want to encourage people to go check out uh, on our Facebook page. I've posted a link to Dr. Benjamin Lewis on the journey home last oh, night. Oh, nice. Yes. So uh, I think I've mentioned before, he and I went to the same liberal arts Christian college about mm-hmm. a year apart. I left and then uh, he came in. So oh, we just okay. missed one another. I was going to say, did you know each other there? Just missed one another. Actually, I met him at an alumni event for our college, believe it or not. And I, I don't know, like we each had our Catholic radar up or something. But yeah. So you didn't go with, like, your Catholic radar on specifically? I went to go check out what was going on in my old, my old college, my alma mater. Yeah. Because I hadn't been there in a while. Hmm. And it was, it was, like, an alumni event in, like, the D.C. area. We went to, like, a brunch. Okay, brunch. I don't know, what like, what's wrong with me, but, like, I have no desire to do that with well, my alma mater. Uh, there's so like many. I live in Cincinnati, and I went to Ohio University. There are so many... Bobcat. There's so many events that take place in Cincinnati I for OU alumni, and I am not at all interested in going to any There were like a couple them. hundred in my graduating class. Okay. It was small. All right. So the maybe it's of me like, seeing people I knew were high. Yeah. Okay. So I you guess. But I, I have been reluctant because I, I feel like when people are like, what do you do for a living? I feel like there's a lot of things I have to explain. <laughs> I would imagine. What do you do for a living? Well, well, I work with people who convert to Catholicism. It's 20 sort of. past. Now, Sacred Heart Radio has our own smart speaker channel. Playing Sacred Heart Radio. Yes, now when you ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio, it will immediately play our stream without some of the inappropriate commercial content that you had to sit through from the tune-in connection. So, at any time of the day or night, to hear Sacred Heart Radio loud and clear, ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation 
and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. Always great to talk to Father Philip LeRae from Humanity 2.0. He teaches in Rome, and we're grateful he takes a little time to talk to us every now and then. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Good to be back on the program. Yeah, I'm interested to hear uh, about this uh, particular thing, Claude 2. What is Claude 2? Because (laughs) it, it seems like, well, well, I'll just let you explain it. Okay, uh, Cloud2 is uh, Anthropic's uh, GPT, and it rivals OpenAI's GPT because uh, they were one of the first to invest time and energy and money in creating this artificial intelligence. So what Cloud2 uh, Cloud seems to be doing much better than the others is logical processing. And so, and Anna mentioned that she thought it was interesting that the uh, article that introduces this new version, the older version was 1.3, seems to say that it does logic reasoning better than humans. And I think that that's true. Uh, First of all, it does it much more quickly. Second of all, it can uh, access databases which are much too large for the the human mind. And uh, thirdly, it doesn't make mistakes in terms of the logic uh, that it's doing. And that's simply because we were able to translate logical patterns of human intellect into uh, mathematical code, and therefore the machines can do it. This has been going on for more than 50, 60 years. Now, here's the interesting thing. It It doesn't arrive at truth better than humans. And I think that going forward with these enormous uh, language processors, we're going to have to, um, how can I say, we're going to have to understand that humans are much better at truth than machines. The machines probably beat us at logic, and I teach logic, and so I know sometimes the students, they don't get very good grades. Uh, But the machines don't do truth. And in Anthropic, even uh, they're very responsible. They even say that. They say, be careful about using uh, this GPT, which is generative AI, in order to arrive at truth because it can make mistakes. And I think that um, that's what we have to keep in mind. Well, that just opened the door to about 15 different potential ways to take this conversation, right? Uh, because let's face it, we've been using computers to do logical processes better than us for a very long time because that's what a calculator does in some ways, right? right. We right. kind of acknowledge right. that it's, it's. I mean, we can work it out on a scrap of paper or we can punch it in and get a much quicker and uh, more accurate result. But this idea of truth, I mean, this is a different – well, I mean, you watched a lot of movies. I mean, how many, 
how many uh, sci-fi dystopian movies have been based on the idea of a an AI or a, you know some kind of a, a, a an android system making purely logical decisions without a human element? I mean, this is something that if you don't apply ethics to the development of it, you could go a lot of bad directions. Yeah. And I and uh, I think that the leaders in the AI field are becoming more and more aware of this, and they're asking uh, different people in the Vatican, different priests, etc., to uh, weigh in on the ethics and and the morality of of these systems, simply because we don't want to uh, give control to the machines. We want to maintain control and we want to use the machines for our own purposes to achieve our own goals, which I think is is admirable. I think that, that that's exactly what we should be doing. But we have to be careful when we turn control over to the machines or when we ask the machines to give us what the truth is. Uh, they, 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 they don't know. You know, that, that I've always, I love machines. I love AI. You know that. But AIs are dumb, you know. It, it, I don't. I, I don't mean that in a in a mean way. I mean that in, they're not aware, they're not conscious, and therefore they don't have access to the truth necessarily. They have access to a bunch of data. They have access to the internet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But even anthropic and and Sam Altman says the same thing. Be careful when you use these tools and think that you're going to arrive at truthful results. You have to double check. And you have to be an expert in the field. You have to ask other people, et cetera. So let's let's use these tools, but as tools, not to substitute the human intellect, but to help it. Well, and this is where that you know big ten dollar phrase that seems to come up every time here: yeah, Christian anthropology matters. You know, what is a human being, and you know what is it mean to be morally oriented? What does it mean uh, to, and, and you know, the, the developers of AI may fall on different places on this question, but we know where we fall about being made in the image of God. And so if we're to reflect our creator, it matters that what we create reflects us, uh, you know, in a more true way, because I mean, anybody can, I mean, anybody can just look at a piece of paper and say, well, this is this is what the logical quote unquote thing to do is. But I mean, if you're taking into account morality and humanity, I mean, there's a lot of things that would be logical to do in terms of raising my son, but I got to take his humanity into account, <laughs> right? When I decide how Absolutely. to, you know, how to correct him or how to form him. I mean, this is, that's just kind of basic parenting. Parenting is not done merely so, according to logic. Yeah, it's, it's a great metaphor when you say we were created in the image and likeness of God. Well, we're creating artificial intelligence in our own image. So let's try to put our best image in uh, forward so that it will reflect the best of humanity, the best of, of what we're capable of and not the worst. So, you know, that's my prayer always that uh, keep let's keep focused and, and make these tools uh, to work for us. Yeah, at the service of humanity as opposed to in competition exactly. with humanity. Good exactly. stuff. Well, thanks so much, Father. Philip LeRae from Humanity 2.0. We've got his website linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Okay, thanks, Matt. So long. All right. And again, you can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com along with all of the guests we speak to every day. 
Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. There's a new bishop of Great Falls, Billings, Montana today. Pope Francis has officially accepted the retirement of Bishop Michael Warfall and succeeding him is Bishop Jeffrey Fleming, who's been serving as coadjutor. He automatically takes the reins of the diocese as of today. After closing the Jesuit-run Central American University in Managua last week, authorities in Nicaragua have now expelled a community of Jesuit priests from their private residence close to the university. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In a press release, the Conference of Jesuit Provincials of Latin America and the Caribbean said that on the 19th of August, the community was ordered by the police to leave Villa Carmen, their personal residence, despite showing documents proving that the building was not part of the university, but a private property belonging to the Jesuits. The Jesuit priests are safe and now hosted in the Centro Sant'Ignacio in the Nicaraguan capital. The expulsion is the latest move in the crackdown of Daniel Ortega's Sandinista regime against the Catholic Church and the opposition. On August the 16th, the Nicaraguan authorities confiscated the prestigious Jesuit Central American University, alleging that it was a center of terrorism. Delegation has been rejected by the university's management as totally false and unfounded. The Jesuit Superior General, Father Arturo de Sosa, joined last week in expressing solidarity with the Jesuits in Nicaragua while appealing for paths of dialogue. The closure of UCA and the subsequent expulsion of the Jesuits come a year after the arrest of Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matacalpa, who has been sentenced to over 26 years in jail and is currently detained in a high-security prison in Managua. Over the past months, several organizations have appealed for his liberation. The appeal was reiterated last week by the Inter-American Commission of Human Rights and the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights for Anglophone Central America and the Caribbean. I am Lisa Zingarini. The Holy See has confirmed that a part two of Laudato Si is in the works. Vatican News reports the Holy Father had revealed in off-the-cuff remarks to a delegation from the Council of Europe yesterday that he was working on a second part to the encyclical to update it to current issues. Vatican Press Director Matteo Bruni said the updated version will focus in particular on the most extreme weather events and catastrophes affecting people across five continents. President Biden says the people of Maui will have everything they need to recover after the deadly wildfires. He toured the town of Lahaina yesterday, meeting with families and first responders. He stressed how much he wants Maui to regain its same character as it rebuilds. Officials say 850 people are still missing as search and rescue efforts continue, and 114 people have been confirmed dead. Former President Trump's bond in the Georgia election case is set at $200,000. Brian Shook has more. Trump's lawyers met with the Fulton County District Attorney's Office on Monday to negotiate terms of his bond and release. As part of the agreement, Trump can't perform any acts of witness intimidation or communicate directly or indirectly about the facts of the case with any co-defendants except through his lawyer. Trump and co-defendants in the case have until noon Friday to surrender. 
I'm Brian Shook. American workers are apparently demanding a record amount of money to take a new job. Mark Mayfield reports. According to a new survey by the New York Federal Reserve, the minimum acceptable salary offer to switch jobs topped $78,000 during the second quarter of 2023. That's an increase of about 8% from last year, and it's the highest level on record. The survey also notes a gap between the wage that workers want and what was actually offered by employers. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Archdiocese of San Francisco is headed to bankruptcy court. The Archdiocese announced yesterday it has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. In a statement, the Archbishop said the move was made to facilitate settlements with abuse survivors in more than 500 lawsuits. Many of those involve abuse that allegedly occurred more than 30 years ago with priests no longer active. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Treating customers with integrity for over 90 years for heating, air conditioning, water heaters, plumbing, and more. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com skpha.com. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at run for the poor.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of the Queenship of Mary, Tuesday, August the 22nd. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be hot again today. Right now, temperatures in the lower to mid 70s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly to mostly sunny today, not quite as humid with a high of 90 degrees. Clear skies and warm tonight with an overnight low of 68, partly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 94. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly sunny and hazy today, high around 86. Some clouds early tonight will be turning to generally clear conditions overnight with an overnight low of 65. Partly sunny tomorrow with a high of 92. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain. Joined, well, actually, I think we're waiting to get Steve Rio. I don't think we have him. Left. We got it. We got it. Steve, Steve Ray now joining us from CatholicConvert.com. He's a great uh, pilgrimage guide. He's an apologist. He's written all kinds of stuff about various things, including a recent book, a commentary on the book of Genesis. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Always nice to talk with you in the morning. All right. Well, I like to talk about one of these topics more than the other. We're talking about heaven and hell today. (laughs) Uh, And heaven actually has a couple of different uh, contexts uh, in which it's referred to in the scriptures. So when we hear the word heaven, what kinds of ranges of meanings do we come across in the Bible? 
Well, there's basically two. The word heaven or heavens is used 832 times roughly in the Bible. The first one is usually with a S, heavens, which refers to the sky. God created the heavens and the earth, meaning the universe and the sky and the earth below. The other one is usually singular heaven, and that is above the sky or outside of creation. That's used 521 times, and it's referring to heaven as the dwelling of God. So God is outside of his creation. Heavens usually means the sky or part of the creation that God made. Heaven is where God dwells outside of the universe. So... You know, for those of you who think that grammar doesn't matter, the singular and plural very much matter in this particular case. Uh, what about hell? Because some people would say it's not really in the Bible, but it's definitely in the Bible. Oh, it's in the Bible from beginning to end. It's everywhere. and uh, But it's a little bit hard to discuss it in a sense that there's several different words. There's hell, Gehenna, lake of fire, fiery furnace or pit unspeakable misery, place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. But there's two different meanings of hell, too. There is hell, which is the word Sheol in the Old Testament, and Hades in the New Testament. And that's not the place of the damned, of eternal fire. That's the place where the dead go while they're waiting for the redemption of Christ. And remember it says that Jesus went down into hell in the Apostles' Creed. He descended into hell. So why did he go to hell? He didn't go to the place of the damned. He went to the place where those who were, had died before his redemption were waiting for him. He went down and said, hey, guys, I did it. It's completed. Let's go. I'm taking you to heaven now. So, th- But there's a Gehenna, which is the hell of the damned, which is not where Jesus went. So there's the, the hell of the dead, where the dead are waiting for their redemption. Then there is Gehenna or the hell of the damned. So we have to make those two distinctions when we read the Bible because they're very different places. Well, and uh, there are places that kind of get a, a new distinction after the death and resurrection of Jesus because of the relationship that we have to heaven. So there's a lot uh, packed into that. But, you know, when you understand hell as the abode of the dead, uh, you know, through the course of much of the Bible, uh, that helps make sense of you know, the King James translation of Psalm 139, where, um, you know, the psalmist says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me, even if I make my bed in hell, thou art there, <laughs> right? Uh, right? I mean, right, it's right. a different kind of understanding of uh, a use of the word hell than we would use today, which is the place of the damned. Right. In the New Testament, you pretty much see in modern translations the word Gehenna, which means the hell of the damned, and Hades which means the waiting place or the place of the dead waiting to be taken up to heaven. So, for example, in Matthew 16, 18, you are Peter on this rock, I'll build my church. Some translations say, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. But it's really the word Hades that means the place of the dead or the powers of death will not prevail against the church. So even in the New Testament, we see oftentimes get mixed up with the word hell is used. It could mean Gehenna, the place of the damned, or Hades, the place of the dead. You ever been attacked by a gate, Steve? <laughs> no, but I, I, but the interesting thing is I, I'm convinced that the gates of hell here are both defensive and offensive. In other words, those that behind there, the death and the, the powers of death and destruction, want to come out after us through the gates. But we can also be 
have the offensive and attack the gates, in a sense, by preaching the gospel and bringing salvation to souls. So that gates of hell, uh, of Hades, can, I think, both be defensive and offensive, depending on how we look at it. Yeah, uh, it's, it is kind of an interesting way that Jesus phrases it. Uh, like so many things that our Lord says, everybody kind of thinks they know on the surface what he means by it, but uh, it takes a bit of reflection to kind of uh, see what he's getting at. But It does, yeah. You know, the the question that sometimes comes up is, you know, why do people still talk about hell if Jesus is the Lord of mercy? And, of course, we had the Marcionite heresy that sprung up in the early church that said that the Old Testament God was mean and the New Testament God, uh, you know, is nice. And, you know, Jesus has kind of moved us beyond this idea of eternal judgment. But if I recall correctly, nobody talks about hell in the Bible more than Jesus himself. That's absolutely true. I I looked up the places where Gehenna is used, which is definitely the hell of the damned. And by the way, Gehenna comes from the valley that is south of Jerusalem. I know right where it is. And it was the Hinnom, Valley of Hinnom. And so it's called Gehenna. It's that valley, and it was where they threw all the dump, the trash, out of the city of Jerusalem. So there was always smoking and burning, and there was maggots and worms. That's why he said the worm dies not in the smoke and the fire. But when Jesus was explaining hell, he says, go look down there. That's what hell is like, Gehenna. So, but he talked about Gehenna being hell of fire and of torment, weeping and gnashing of teeth forever, 12 times in the Gospels. Nobody else talks about hell that much times, many times. Jesus does. And there was a heresy in the early church called universalism, that maybe you'd be punished after death if you were a sinner and you had not you know, acquired the mercy of God and become friends with God and salvation through the death of Jesus on the cross, and that eventually everybody would make it to heaven because God is so merciful. He just wouldn't let anybody just spend eternity in hell with no chance of getting out. But that was called universalism, and it was a heresy, and guess what? It's coming back today. There's a lot of people that are again promoting the idea of universalism, and the church continues to say that it's a heresy, that there is going to be an eternal damnation in hell, and there's going to be eternal bliss in heaven, and we have to make the decision. God doesn't send us one way or another. It's pretty clear in Scripture. We make that choice. First Timothy 2, 3, and 4, our God and Savior desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, and he did everything necessary for to be saved. If you're not saved and you go to hell, it's because you chose it. Well, you know, we might think that that's an unthinkable concept, and surely everyone would accept the mercy of God if offered it. But Steve, I don't know about you, but I've been a stubborn and arrogant jerk before, and somebody's tried to reconcile with me, and I've been like, huh, nope, never. You know, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've found myself in that thought process before, and when I notice that I'm doing it, it terrifies me because I'm like, that is the exact mindset of hell. It is. And when you talk about hell like this being an eternal damnation, it makes you want to get in your car and drive to the first confessional and confess, you know. It's, it, but that's what it should do. We're Christians because we love God and because we want to respond to his love. But if we're just Christians because we're scared of hell, that's okay, too. Well, you know, there's a, there are levels of motivation, <laughs> right? And uh, you hope that, uh, well, heaven is, is eventually you know, at the end of the day, it's not all the tacos you can eat, Steve, right? It's not, right. Uh, you and know, it's boring I sitting on a cloud with a harp either. It's something much more than we often give heaven credit for being. 
Right, and I said to Janet, if, if heaven is just where I go up and sing a billion verses of just as I am, a hymn, um, I don't know that I'm going to like it up there, you know, just singing, their, singing the same hymns, billion verses. But I think that heaven is going to be a rollicking adventure. First of all, there's nothing more exciting than discovering new things, and God is infinite, and we are always going to be finite, even in heaven. We will never exhaust all of the glories and excitement of God, even through eternity, because he's infinite. We can never exhaust him. So it's going to be one rollicking adventure of discovery and glory and excitement. And there's one verse that really intrigues me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 and 3. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? When we're in heaven, we'll be judging angels. Matt, I have no clue what that means, but it sounds pretty darn exciting. It's not going to be a boring place. We're going to be busy up there. We may be discovering other universes God created. We, we're going to be judging good and evil. We're going to, I think it's going to be a wonderful place, and I'm convinced that we'll know our spouses in heaven as well. I told Janet, when I go to heaven, I want to spend eternity with her, and I think that that's perfectly correct. It says that there's no marriage or giving in marriage, but that means for procreation. Nobody's going to be getting married up there and having babies, but there will be the knowledge of our spouses and the knowledge of other people, and it says in the Catechism that that heaven is the uh, communion of life and love with the Trinity and all of the blessed that are there, and I'm going to be with my wife for eternity. Whatever else heaven is, if we have a uh, a, a blessed union in this life, we will be even more united to our fellow believers yeah. uh, in yeah, the next. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing to ponder. Steve yeah. Ray, we've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. All right. Speaking of heaven, let's talk about the queen of heaven. With Chris McGregor coming up after the break, it's 13 till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything? even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for Wings. 
EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the Wings link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your wings today. Do you worry about not having enough money? We'd love for you to chime in today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. What a great morning it is. What a great morning. Happy Feast of the Queenship of Mary. What a beautiful feast day. Yep. Love it. Absolutely. And this week's selection from the Office of Readings is for today's feast, taken from the homilies of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Remind us of who he is. Oh, the great doctor of the church. He is St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who lived in the year right around 1000, the beginning of a new millennium. And one of his uh, wonderful compatriots was Hildegard von Bingen. He uh, knew her, corresponded with her, encouraged her. He was the great encourager, as it were. So many people came to him because he knew uh, the spiritual journey. He was able to help so many map it through. Uh, the brought about the Cistercians, who uh, great order uh, offshoot of essentially, as it were, reformed type of offshoot of the Benedictines. Um, absolutely an incredible, incredible man and a great lover of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Quite obviously. So this homily on the glories of the Virgin Mother is. So beautiful. And Chris, not that I think in in this way all the time, but definitely my apologetic mind um, got sparked here because this is a great, succinct answer to those who would dismiss the Blessed Virgin Mary simply as, you know, this vessel that God used for a little bit of time. And then when he was born, they just like ignored her or something. Can you talk about what Bernard of Clairvaux had to say about God's choice to create Mary? She uh, is the queen of humility and the queen of so many of the the different things that we look at in the, in the church because God had fashioned her to be the vessel of the Holy of Holies. She would be free from the stain of original sin because it was about Jesus ultimately that he, that for the son to be born of the queen of the virtues so that he could exemplify through his great sacred humanity and divinity all that would help elevate us. But it had to come from a woman who had the humility to say yes and to say it so purely you know, it, it drives me nuts, Anna, when I see depictions of the Blessed Virgin Mary and it somehow robs her of her dignity. Yeah. You know, this this woman who had, because even as a young girl, knew who she was. And and that's the great gift of humility. It's not a, a I'm I'm 
I'm a nothing to the extent that, oh, I'm, you know, not worthy of anything. No, she was a nothing to the extent that she understood that God does all things. And if I just, I say yes to whatever he asks of me. And in this, her son ultimately would say that same type of yes in the Garden of Gethsemane mm. and the and embracing of the cross. She is um, just uh, just incredible. Just incredible. And and what I love, one of the, the first lines of this homily, who could come from a virgin birth except God himself, the maker of mankind, if he was to be made man and destined to be born of man, would have to choose to create a mother whom he knew to be worthy of him, who he knew would be pleasing to him. And and Bernard of Clairvaux goes on to say, like, it was his will that she would be unstained, that she would be pure from sin, that she would be meek and humble of heart, that she would have all of these virtues. It was his will that she would be this pure. Exactly. And when we talk about the purity, we're not just talking about the, what happens in the with the body, with virginity, but also the virginity of the mind. Yes. A purity of her mind. That way, it, in her expression, her living out of the virtues, that, it, that the angel Gabriel, when he comes and pronounces, she's full of grace. Okay. For anybody who has... Um, it says, well, she was just like the rest of us. How can you say that, especially those those who embrace and love the scriptures so much? How can you how can you look at what the angel Gabriel says to her that she is full of grace? That in itself says that she was a vessel like no other. Because because who is full of grace? Because if we if we have sinned, if we um, have lacked in our expression of the virtues, then we're not full of grace. Mm-hmm. We're not full of the divine life. And yet the angel Gabriel, the messenger of God, comes and says, you, you highly favored daughter, you full of grace. That says it right there. And in that moment, and her whole life would be exemplified in that. Did she struggle? Yes. Did she have in that um, experiencing the pain of her son's suffering um, and probably in the sorrow of, of Joseph dying and those types of things like us. And yet she was able to encounter even those hardships with the uh, a life filled with an overflowing of virtue and grace. And we can do that too if we look towards her and ask for her help. He writes, adorned with the jewels of such virtues and radiant in both mind and body, the royal virgin's beauty draws the attention of the citizens of heaven itself, and its king is filled with desire for her and sends his messenger to her from on high. Go read this in the Office of Readings for the Feast of the Queenship of Mary, a homily on the Blessed Virgin Mother by St. Bernard of Clairvaux. And we've been talking about it with Chris McGregor. You can find her site, discerninghearts.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thank you so much. Ave Maria. Ave Maria, absolutely. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. I'm Father Rob Jack. 
Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith, when Dr. Joseph Zala will discuss the ethics of the doctor-patient relationship. Kristen Gallagher will share the latest news and events from Cincinnati, St. Vincent to Paul. I reflect on the queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon, beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing your care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. This is Deacon Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Here is continue on this Tuesday, the 22nd of August, the Feast of the Queenship of Mary, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for the church that we may serve God's glory by imitating the humble obedience of Mary the Queen. We pray for all who exercise leadership that they may seek the good of all after the example of Mary the Queen. We pray for all who have died that they may enter into your glory through the intercession of Mary the Queen. O God, by the fruitful virginity of blessed Mary, you have given to the human race the reward of eternal life. 
Grant, we beseech you that through the intercession of the mother of the author of life, the church may become the mother of many children who will take their place before your throne to sing your praises for all eternity. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Mary, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, uh, we will take a look at what Ascension Press is doing uh, in regard to paid family leave. And uh, maybe a pretty cool model for other apostles who are trying to figure out, well, how do we, uh, how do we be more sort of pro-life as a Catholic cultural community, as it were. Dr. Jared Stout is going to talk about the history of the term transubstantiation. Uh, maybe you know the word. Maybe someone has told you it was invented at the Council of Trent, uh, and maybe you want a little bit more context than that. Uh, and Dr. Jared Stout's going to give that context. We'll take a look at This Week in Catholic History with Kevin Schmeezing, also Andrew Swafford along. Uh, he is a contributor to the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, and today we get to look at one of my favorite books, in the Old Testament, the book of Judges. There is some, if if you think the Bible is boring, it's probably because you've not read the book of Judges. That's all I'm going to say. Right now, it's two minutes past. News is a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Holy See has confirmed that a part two of Laudato Si' is in the works now. Vatican News reports the Holy Father had revealed in off-the-cuff remarks to a delegation from the Council of Europe yesterday that he was indeed working on a second part to the environmental encyclical to update it to current issues. Vatican Press Director Matteo Bruni said the updated version will focus in particular on the most recent extreme weather events and catastrophes affecting people across five continents. President Biden says the people of Maui will have everything they need to recover after the deadly wildfires. More from Mark Mayfield. While touring the town of Lahaina on Monday, he met with families of victims and thanked first responders. He also stressed how much he wants Maui to regain its same character as it rebuilds. Officials say 850 people are still missing as search and rescue efforts continue and 114 people have been confirmed dead. The wildfires tore through Maui earlier this month with the historic town of Lahaina receiving most of the damage. I'm Mark Mayfield. California has spawned a new trending word called hurricane. That as the state managed its first tropical storm in more than 80 years and an earthquake hit Sunday afternoon. The magnitude 5.1 earthquake shocked folks in parts of Ventura and L.A. County. USGS says the quake centered near Ohio, about 80 miles northwest of Los Angeles. The agency says at least six aftershocks shook at a magnitude of 3.0 or greater. Soon after, the hashtag Hurricane began to trend on social media. Former President Trump says he'll be traveling to Atlanta on Thursday to surrender in his Georgia election interference case. He noted on Truth Social that he'll be arrested by Fonnie Willis, whom he referred to as a radical left district attorney. Trump was charged last week with racketeering in connection to alleged efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election results. Pope Francis has written the foreword to an Italian translation of the autobiography of Servant of God, Dorothy Day. From Vatican Radio, 
Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope Francis recalls how she arrived at Christian faith from the grace that flows from charity, the beauty that flows from witness, and love that is expressed concretely through service, more than any human efforts or strategies. He recalled how Pope Benedict XVI said that the church grows through attraction, not by proselytism, and we see this in Dorothy Day's conversion, life and witness. Declared a servant of God in 2000, American Dorothy Day dedicated her life to social justice and human rights, especially the poor, exploited workers marginalized by society. The Pope paid tribute to her life witness by writing that we can all learn from her restlessness, her understanding of the church, and how she served others. Describing the restlessness of Dorothy Day, the Pope writes about her path from abandoning religious practice to discovering it once again, as she was always searching and open to the spiritual quest that led her to rediscover faith in God, seeing it as the fullness of life and the way to happiness. Dorothy Day came to see God as not only our consolation, but the fulfillment of our desire for meaning and joy. The Pope then looked at the beautiful words Dorothy Day had for the Catholic Church, despite the failings and weaknesses of its members. As her adherence to the truths of faith grew, the Pope writes, so did her consideration of the divine nature of the Catholic Church. Dorothy Day's concrete outreach to assist others as an activist and a journalist became a sort of highway with which God touched her heart, the Pope writes, and she shows how the struggle for justice offers a way to realize God's dream of a reconciled humanity. The Pope adds that even today, believers and non-believers can be allies in promoting the dignity of every person when they love and serve the most abandoned persons. I'm Dennis Jones. And this final story for Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft. I hope he's listening. Music icon Bob Dylan has announced a Cincinnati stop among 18 new concert dates announced yesterday. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer's ongoing Rough and Rowdy Ways Tour will include a performance at the Andrew J. Brady Music Center on October 20th. Tickets go on sale on Friday. I say that also for my family, who loves Bob Dylan as well. So, just FYI. I've never been to the Andrew J. Brady Music Center. I don't know where that is. What is do you know what that is, Paul? No, I do not know where that one is, but... uh, Andrew J. I'm going to look it up. Sure. Sure. Hopefully tickets are, you know, reasonable. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not seeing him at his best, so... Oh, it's on the banks. Yeah, you you kind of would hope maybe tickets should be reasonable. It's right next to Paycor Stadium. How about that? Uh, They just keep building stuff down there, and I had no idea. Anyway... 8.08 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Take it away, Paul. Yeah, today's a tough one uh, at the sports desk. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot to talk Uh, about, huh? Reds Angels postponed due to uh, that uh, tropical storm known as Hillary out there on the West Coast. Oddly enough, game will be made up tomorrow as a part of a doubleheader. The Angels rain out uh, happened just for the fourth time. Since uh, Angel Stadium opened in 1995. Hmm. Wow. Uh, only 14 games have been moved up due to rain in the stadium's history. So we're a part of history. There you go. Reds will, uh, Reds will try to play the Angels later tonight. How about uh, this? The longest active winning streak in the NFL has been snapped. That is uh, the Baltimore Ravens had a 24-game win streak in preseason 
that uh, came to a close yesterday. Washington kicked the game-winning field goal 29-28 to win. Uh, the Commanders uh, upend the Ravens uh, with the win. Commanders will play their next preseason game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So there you go. I, Great. I had that or uh, Ohio State quarterback uh, competition heating up. And oh, then, yeah. Uh, Did you hear Brian Hardline is going to be making some of the uh, the calls nice. in the offense as the neat. offensive coordinator? There you they're going to be moving him in a direct. He's never been a play caller before, so they're going to be moving him in the direction of being the play caller, oh. which would be the first time since Ryan Day. I mean, he's been offensive coordinator and then head coach for a while now. Yeah. And he's kind of letting go a little bit. Yeah, letting so. letting some other people take the reins. Well, Ohio State will open up their season against Indiana on September the 2nd. So there September is your news. Second. All right, let's it's get... so close, yet so far away. Oh, it feels really close. I, I had them, the Elder game. Unfortunately, Elder lost on, uh, on Friday. Friday. They they uh, lost a heartbreaker 39-35, to 35, mm. but uh, it, does, it does now feel like we're it's full like, swing. I mean, football. it is hot outside, it's but... It's really hot outside. It's football weather nonetheless. And I'm sure you'll tell us about it. Hopefully, uh, traffic's not too bad this morning on a Tuesday. Yeah. Traffic service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton. On the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. I didn't like that. Uh, I'm thinking a lot of people are going back to school. This oh, is my no. this is my guess because no accidents that I'm seeing on the board here, but a lot of slow traffic. Northbound 7175 from uh, Turfway up to the river. You're slow. Northbound 471 is slowing from 275 up to the river. Eastbound 74 on the brakes from North Bend into the 75 interchange. If you're going northbound from there, you'll be slowing until you get to Ronald Reagan. Southbound 75, off and on heavy and slow from Union Center Boulevard all the way down to the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 71, slowing from Kings Island down toward the Norwood Lateral. And uh, outer loop of 275 here on the brakes from Ward's Corner up toward Loveland Madeira. Now, for weather, yes, going to be hot, although apparently not quite as humid as yesterday, so I guess that's a positive, right? Partly cloudy to mostly sunny today in Cincinnati with a high of 90 degrees. Tonight, clear skies with an overnight low of 68. Partly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 94 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly sunny and hazy today, high around 86. Some clouds early will give way to generally clear conditions and an overnight low of 65. Partly sunny skies tomorrow and a high of 92 degrees. Today is Tuesday, August the 22nd, the Feast of the Queenship of Mary. Mary, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. 12 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Matt? Matt Swaim here, now talking to Jonathan Strait, President, CEO, and owner of Ascension Press. And, of course, you know all kinds of great Ascension Press uh, efforts because we talk about a lot of them here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Jonathan, welcome. Hi. Good morning, Matt. So I'm very interested to talk to you about the update of your family leave policies, which actually have gotten uh, a fair amount of news both in Catholic circles but also kind of in the wider workplace conversation if you could tell us what your leave policies were before and how you updated them 
Sure. So uh, some people may be familiar with something called FMLA. That is what the government requires in terms of family leave policies. And the requirement is that you could take up to 12 weeks off without losing uh, your job. Uh, there's no requirement for actual paid leave. And the United States is one of the few developed countries that actually has no requirement for paid leave. So without a requirement, a lot of companies might do something with, say, short-term disability, um, which seems a little bit, you know, odd to cover, uh, you know, pregnancy and birth. Um, you know, but that might do, you know, maybe six weeks at 60% of your salary or something like that. Um, but not all companies offer that. And when they do, sometimes uh, employees don't qualify. Uh, and we had that issue, too, at Ascension with employees expecting that and not getting it. Uh, so we wanted to take a look and see what we could do. Um, the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, suggests at least 12 weeks uh, paid time off uh, for new mothers, and so that's where we started. Our original policy was one week off uh, for mothers and fathers, uh, and now we're offering mothers up to 12 weeks off and uh, new fathers up to six weeks off. Well, that is pretty cool. Uh, I know that there are some other places that have similar kinds of things. I know that there are uh, some dioceses specifically who have said, you know what, whatever else we do, we're going to try and make sure that we've got something in place for these families, uh, maternity and paternity leave. I got a guy at my parish who's in that situation right now, and there you go. Uh, he's Good. lining up all his ducks, and we're all trying to get his back uh, in parish responsibilities so he can do that because we care about that sort of thing yeah. as a parish. But uh, you know, there are probably a lot of people involved in smaller parishes, smaller ministries, smaller apostolates, smaller publishers who are saying, yeah, but you got Father Mike Schmitz and Jeff Cavins, man. It's probably easier <laughs> for you guys. So well, what would you say to them? You know, I would say, it, uh, we, frankly, it is. We have uh, almost 100 employees, and so at scale, it is easier for us uh, to find some uh, somebody that can come in and help with the work. Uh, I can imagine that, you know, in a smaller organization uh it is harder um you know but it really does send the right message too and like you said you know when when employees understand you know what's going on and, and why we're doing this um you know and that this is this is more than you know there's the baby bonding time built into this as long as the medical recover as well as the medical recovery um you know it's something that we want to support to build a culture of life well and it's something too that requires a little bit of investment from apostolates and from you know, the people who are uh, engaged with and benefiting from them and involved around them. I'm speaking, uh, by the way, as someone who has taken over for uh, Anna Mitchell every time she's gone on maternity leave, because honestly, I would rather have Anna Mitchell have a great family that's building up the church than for her to work through the pain just so we can put on yeah. a radio show on limited yeah. energy, right? It matters to me that this is the kind of world we're trying to help foster but i mean maybe you've run into this before jonathan uh i run into it all the time because i've done apostle work for a while this idea that you know if you're working for the church uh you shouldn't be driving a nice car or living in a nice house you shouldn't be having any of this stuff uh you shouldn't be making any money <laughs> you shouldn't be doing any of these things you should be donating your entire life your entire time every ounce of your energy to the church and it really shouldn't be that way i mean we should take care of the people who are taking care of the church. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many people working for the church, when, when you're working as a layperson for the church, you know, you're, you're raising a family too, you know, and 
it can be a more and more and more difficult decision if you're able to work in secular industry for significantly more money, uh, you know, as opposed to working for the church. And that could be hard for some people to say, well, I, I want to work, you know, I still want to work for the church, um, you know, despite this and despite, you know, how many children I want to raise. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's up to, you know, us as lay people in the church uh, to try and make that as competitive as, as possible. Um, you know, I can tell you that uh, since you mentioned cost, um, one of the things that, you know, we found at Ascension, you know, we have a lot of family-friendly, uh, employee-friendly policies. Um, uh, the turnover rate in just the publishing industry in general is something around 37%. Uh, ours is down to less than 4%. So I know a lot of employers might think, you know, well, you know, policies like this cost us money. And one of the ways that you end up finding some some ways to cover things like this is the employees are dedicated. You know, you don't they have get to retrain everybody every time someone you has don't. a baby. Yeah. Well, that's, there's, there's that's, this other aspect yeah. to it, too, Jonathan. And uh, I think that we lose a lot of people who could be longer term doing some of these things. I, I mean, I. I've seen this story play out more times than I can count where someone comes in and they're a really dynamic leader in a youth ministry parish or they're uh, doing some really cool things in a, a Catholic apostolate. Then they have one baby and they simply cannot afford to do that gig yeah. anymore. <laughs> and then they're done. Yep. And I'm like, man, that person yeah. would have been so amazing if we could have kept them in this apostolate work, uh, building yeah. up the church. And instead they had to go, you know, sell insurance or something. Uh, oh, yeah. And we, because we, because we couldn't hang on to him. And I just, I would love to see us hang on to more of those people who come out of college and are amazing and starting young families and don't have to switch out of church work the second they have one baby. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent with you. Um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult decision to make, and you do owe it to your family. Um, you have to provide for them, and so I, I view it as, uh, you know, the real competition for the work that we're doing in the church is, is that is exactly that it's people leaving the work in the church to go work for, like you said, maybe some insurance thing or something, you know, we want to retain as many people to help, you know, build up the church as we can. Um, and so we, we have to look at what's going on out there, uh, in the industry, greater industry and see how we can stay competitive. Yeah. Well, and if we really do want to, you know, radically, uh, you know, overhaul the culture and instill a culture of life. This is a great way to model it. And uh, I know that there are different logistical and practical questions that have to go in based on uh, the needs of individual apostolates and parishes and dioceses and all this. But I'm really fascinated by the conversations that this has started. Jonathan Strait, president, CEO, and owner of Ascension Press. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. All right. It's 20 past. We got traffic and weather right after this. Homegrown is better. Hi, Bill Levitt here, and for more than two decades, Sacred Heart Radio has filled the airwaves of Cincinnati, Dayton, and Covington with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Catholic perspective on important issues and events. And because you participated from day one, we've had the resources to share the ministry of many local priests and deacons and to broadcast the numerous spiritual events occurring throughout the tri-state. Now, recently, with hundreds of you responding to our listener survey, we not only have the data to add more of the content you want to hear, but we also sent out over 500 of our T-shirts and bumper magnets to give you the swag to show others where they can hear Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 
But even though we'll soon grow to seven media platforms when the Sunrise Morning Show goes to video, our work to bring others to Christ has only just begun. So please keep telling your neighbors, co-workers, and fellow parishioners where locally they will hear the good news on Sacred Heart Radio and SacredHeartRadio.com. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for Mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Got an accident on westbound 275 at Ward's Corner, blocking the left lane now, and traffic definitely stacking up in the area. Uh, southbound 71, you are going to be slow from uh, before Kings Island all the way down to the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 75 is still slow from 275 to the Norwood Lateral. Uh, eastbound 74, you're on the brakes from North Bend into the 75 interchange. Going north from there, you're slowing until you get past the Norwood Lateral. Northbound 71, 75, slowing from Turfway up to the Cut in the Hill. Northbound 471 remains slow from 275 up to the river. Now for weather, partly to mostly sunny today in Cincinnati with a high of 90 degrees. Clear tonight and an overnight low of 68. Partly cloudy with a slight rain chance tomorrow and a high of 94. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mostly sunny and hazy today, high around 86. Generally clear in the overnight hours tonight with a low of 65. It'll be partly sunny tomorrow with a high of 92. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 23 past. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. 
We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. It's 25 minutes past the hour. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, from Tan Books. Good morning, Dr. Stout. Good morning. It's good to have you back. And today we are going to be looking at sort of the history of the term transubstantiation. And first off, just to make sure that that we all have this correct and we're on the same page, what does transubstantiation mean exactly? Well, this is my translation of the term, thing changingness. You know, it (laughs) sounds like a very complicated (laughs) word, but that's really what it means in Latin. That the substance, that means what the thing is, has changed. Okay. And so in relation to the church and the Eucharist, can you lay that out for us? Yeah, absolutely. So transubstantiation became Catholic dogma. That means that it's formally defined and must be believed by Catholics in the year 1215 at the Fourth Lateran Council. So there's a lot of people who say, See, transubstantiation, you know, is something medieval. Christians didn't really believe it. And then all of a sudden the church started teaching it. But the reality is very different. You know, I think last time I was on the show, you know, I mentioned Justin Martyr. So he was writing in the mid second century. So that's like around like the 150s and 60s. And he actually used a term transmutation. Uh, when it came to talking about the Eucharist, that the, the bread and wine, are they cease to be bread and wine and they become the body and blood of Christ. So we can look at early church fathers, not only Justin, but St. Ambrose um, actually uses terminology that's almost identical to the formal teaching of transubstantiation in the late 300s. And really, the, the term itself comes out of a big controversy that happened in the 11th century, so in the 10 hundreds. Uh, there was a guy, Berenger of Tours, but he was actually one of a few philosophers and theologians who began wondering about the exact nature of Jesus' presence in the Eucharist. And so they were saying, is this a presence that is alongside of the bread and wine, or is it just symbolic? You know, um, is the actual substance of Jesus's body and blood really present in the Eucharist. And it was around that time that we had a a number of people who began using Aristotelian philosophy um, in order to articulate what does substance actually mean. And, And so that term substance just means what this thing really is in its entirety, the, the, the substance of this thing, its reality. Um, and so this kind of the beginning of scholastic uh, theology began using these terms to, to really define uh, 
that what the thing is in the Eucharist is not bread and wine, but through the prayers of the priest, which are the prayers of Christ himself, that the reality becomes the body and blood of Christ. Mm. Can you talk more about how um, distortions of the faith or these these ideas that that were wrong can help the church along in in defining um, in defining these things like transubstantiation? But I'm I'm sure there are other examples that we could point to in this regard. Yeah, the church's doctrine generally develops in relationship to heresies. Sure. Not always, but generally, that is, people are challenging um, the church's belief, something that the church has always held. And in light of that challenge, there needs to be more precise terminology and clearer teaching. You know, one example of this is the Council of Nicaea in 325 which said that Jesus was one substance, consubstantial with the Father. So there's that same term again, right? Oh, substance. Yeah. Um, and so there's some people, well, it's actually many people, who say that therefore the church did not believe that Jesus was one substance with the Father until Nicaea, which is absurd. Yeah. The church had always believed that Jesus was one with the Father. And Jesus himself said, I and the Father are one. But it was only in light of the attacks of Arius, the, the priest from Egypt, that the church needed to employ that kind of precise terminology in order to refute his teaching. So the teaching wasn't new, but the manner of teaching it, the terminology and the precision was new in light of the challenge. And we call that a development of doctrine. And that's not the creation of doctrine but it is the fine-tuning of the teaching uh, which is needed uh, to explain things more deeply. So when we look at it in light of, of transubstantiation, can you talk a little more about uh, the, the historical nature of this? You, you mentioned Berenger of, of Tours. He dies in 1088, but the, uh, the Fourth Lateran Council wasn't until 1215. So I guess there was a mm -hmm. lot of uh, theological discussion in between. Yeah, definitely. Um, scholasticism was an attempt in the Middle Ages to use rigorous logical philosophy to gain precision on the church's teaching. And, the, you know, there, there's a whole movement actually in the monastic schools to try to define more clearly what the church really believes on the Eucharist. So Berenger was just one figure. Um, some of these other figures um, were also drawing from, for instance, John Scotus Eriugina, who was a major influence um, in this part of the Middle Ages. Um, and so they began, you know, kind of pulling out these challenges to the church's teaching. And I think a lot of it was actually not, you know, like bad spirited. They were just saying, we want to understand this more deeply. Mm -hmm. um, there were certain figures like Lanfranc, who was the abbot of Beck in Normandy, but then he became Archbishop of Canterbury in England. He was actually the first one to use Aristotelian philosophy to help explain the nature of the change of one thing changing to another thing. Um, and so Transubstantiation means that the accidents of the bread and wine remain. So what you see is the appearance of bread and wine because those accidents stay in place. 
but that the reality of what the thing is, that's what we call it, substance, has changed. So that when you receive the Eucharist, you are not receiving a piece of bread. You're receiving the body of Christ. Now, obviously, um, if uh, over 100 years later, an ecumenical council defines the doctrine of transubstantiation, it's doing so because there were still lingering concerns. And it will be St. Thomas Aquinas, who's born 10 years after the, the Fourth Lateran Council, who develops a, a complete theology um, around this doctrine. And tradition actually says that it was in relation to the Eucharist that Jesus spoke to St. Thomas and yeah. said, Thomas, you have written well of me. What can I give you? And his famous answer is, nothing other than you, Lord. Uh, but Thomas Aquinas became the great doctor of the Eucharist, and he's the one who even wrote the great hymns to the Eucharist that we use uh, during adoration, you know, benediction on the Feast of Corpus Christi and also on Holy Thursday when we're having the procession at the end of Mass. Um, and so we see, yes, there is this longer development of doctrine over hundreds of years, but that won't be the end of the story because the concerns of Beringer and others will be brought up again um, by Martin Luther and other so-called reformers of the Reformation. And actually, Martin Luther was inspired by the controversies of this time period that we've been talking about to challenge transubstantiation in his own day. Well, we will talk more about that in depth the next time we get together. In the meantime, go pick up a copy of How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Stout, really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, it's 34 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. The Holy See has confirmed that a part two of Laudato Si is in the works. Vatican News reports the Holy Father revealed in off-the-cuff remarks to a delegation from the Council of Europe yesterday that he was working on a second part to the encyclical to update it to current issues. Vatican Press Director Matteo Bruni later said the updated version will focus in particular on the most extreme weather events across five continents. President Biden says the people of Maui will have everything they need to recover after the deadly wildfires there. He toured the town of Lahaina yesterday, meeting with families and first responders. He also stressed how much he wants Maui to regain its same character as it, rebu as it rebuilds. Officials say 850 people are still missing as search and rescue efforts continue and 114 people have been confirmed dead. The National Hurricane Center in Miami is updating active storms this morning. Tropical Storm Harold is a threat today to Texas. Warnings are in place for the region. The storm is packing 45-mile-per-hour winds this morning, but is expected to strengthen a bit, whipping stronger winds and heavy downpours. Gert, meanwhile, continues to dissipate as barely a tropical cyclone, and Tropical Storm Franklin is poorly organized and drifting toward the Dominican Republic with maximum sustained winds close to 50 miles per hour currently. After closing the Jesuit-run Central American University in Managua last week, authorities in Nicaragua have now expelled a community of Jesuit priests from their private residence close to the university. 
From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In a press release, the Conference of Jesuit Provincials of Latin America and the Caribbean said that on the 19th of August, the community was ordered by the police to leave Villa Carmen, their personal residence, despite showing documents proving that the building was not part of the university, but a private property belonging to the Jesuits. The Jesuit priests are safe and now hosted in the Centro Sant'Ignacio in the Nicaraguan capital. The expulsion is the latest move in the crackdown of Daniel Ortega's Sandinista regime against the Catholic Church and the opposition. On August the 16th, the Nicaraguan authorities confiscated the prestigious Jesuit Central American University, alleging that it was a center of terrorism. Delegation has been rejected by the university's management as totally false and unfounded. The Jesuit Superior General, Father Arturo de Sosa, joined last week in expressing solidarity with the Jesuits in Nicaragua while appealing for paths of dialogue. The closure of UCA and the subsequent expulsion of the Jesuits come a year after the arrest of Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matacalpa, who has been sentenced to over 26 years in jail and is currently detained in a high-security prison in Managua. Over the past months, several organizations have appealed for his liberation. The appeal was reiterated last week by the Inter-American Commission of Human Rights and the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights for Anglophone Central America and the Caribbean. I am Lisa Zingarini. Major League Baseball is on pace to see its biggest jump in attendance since the league expanded 25 years ago. Forbes reports attendance is up more than 9% this season through August 14th. That's the largest increase since it went up more than 11% when the league added two teams, the Diamondbacks and the Rays, back in 1998. Forbes says the league is projected to see a total attendance of 70.5 million fans this season, the highest since 2017. Several factors, apparently faster games, but also teams lowering ticket prices being credited for the jump in attendance. Also, I think uh, the new schedule might help as well. I mean, this is pretty cool that uh, you're seeing different teams. I mean, the Reds are out playing against the Angels tonight, yeah. so yeah. Um, I think that helps. It helps Absolutely. Mix it up a little, a little bit. But, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it, uh, it, it can only be a gimmick for so long until people get tired of that, too. So. Well, we'll... Now, then they're going to have to come up with some new rule changes just to make it more exciting, right, Paul? Uh, I think they're going to try new destinations, so they're going to move Oakland to Vegas and and hope that that has some shine to it, I guess. I don't know. I guess we'll see. We shall see, as someone I know likes to Mm. say. 8.39 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Well, that's uh, the the gist of most of our sports talk because the Reds didn't even play yesterday. Reds Angels postponed due to that uh, tropical storm. Hillary out there on the West Coast. The game will be made up as a part of a doubleheader on Wednesday. Angels rain out just for the fourth time since 1995 at Angel Stadium. Only the 14th time they've moved a game due to rain in the stadium's history. Uh, L.A. and uh, Cincinnati set to play a game tonight. That should be fun. Reds and, or uh, how about this uh, for football, the NFL, the Ravens had their 24-game win streak in the preseason snapped yesterday due to uh, losing 29-28 to 
to the Washington Commanders. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of back and forth play. Joey Sly kicked a 49-yard field goal with nine seconds left to uh, give the Commanders their second preseason victory of the season. Their next game will be against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a uh, check-in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Do you go to sacredheartradio.com to get the show notes? Then you know the show notes is where you'll see the guest featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith for today and previous days. And now you can find and hear an interview again just by hovering over the podcast markers. So for the links to the resources you hear about and to hear an interview again, get it by checking out the show notes every day at the new sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Put your money where your heart is. Do business with someone who shares your faith and values. From Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List of Underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to SacredHeartRadio.com and click angels list this is father steph van kemper with a thought on abandoning ourselves to god anything that keeps us from loving god or separates us from god must go what we don't give up in joy god must take in sorrow what god takes from us brings us no merit yet what we give up in sacrifice merits us grace if these things must go sooner on earth or later in purgatory, why not give them to God now? The Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. Here to do that with us is Kevin Schmeising. He is the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Well, let's start things off this week by talking about the Jesuits. The death of a Jesuit missionary, Sebastian Rowe. There's a whole chapter in my book about this, Matt, but this is the condensed version. Northern New England was part of or adjacent to New France, so Jesuit missionaries were active in parts of what would become the state of Maine by the early 1600s. In the early 1700s, a French Jesuit, Sebastian Rowe, who had already worked in Quebec and along the Mississippi River, came to serve the main mission among the Abenakis. The Abenakis were one of the more receptive tribes to the preaching of the gospel, and most of the tribe had been Christian for 40 years already by the time Father Rall arrived. As was typical of such missionaries, Father Rall was not a fair-weather minister. He lived and worked among the Abenakis, moved with them, hunted with them, learned their culture and their language, shared their joys and their sufferings. Now, in 18th century North America, religion was inseparable from politics, and Father Rall and the Abenakis got caught up in the colonial conflict between France and England. The Abenakis, who were Catholic and pastored by a French priest, aligned with France in several conflicts, including in 1724, 
Dummer's War, which was named after the lieutenant governor of Massachusetts. The English had already gone after Father Rell once. He managed to escape that time, but he did leave behind some belongings, including his Abenaki Dictionary, which the raiding party confiscated and which eventually found its way to the Harvard University Library. It's still there today. During Dummer's War, a New England detachment, so these were descendants of the Pilgrims and Puritans, attacked the Indian village of Norridgewalk. They killed 20 or 30 Abenaki warriors and also their priest, Father Rall. Accounts of his death differ. He may, he may have been fighting alongside the Indians with a musket in his hands, or he may have given himself up as a diversion while his parishioners fled. In any case, we do know that Father Sebastian Rall died at the hands of New England colonists. It was this week, August 23rd, 1724. Well, by condensed version, it sounds like you know, there are layers and layers and layers uh, of that conflict to unpack. But here's a name that uh, people might not associate with a German convent, but might be familiar with. Yeah, I didn't uh, associate it myself until just recently when I learned uh, this connection. In fact, I think it was my Catholic History Trek co-host, Scott, who turned me on to this point. Um, probably if you were a collector or otherwise into porcelain statues, you're familiar with this name, Hummel figurines, or they're often just called Hummels. That name comes from the original artist who was a Catholic nun. Berta Hummel was born in Bavaria in 1909. She attended a convent boarding school, then an arts academy in Munich. While she was studying there, she lived in a residence run by Franciscan sisters. And after graduating, she decided to join them. On August 22nd, this week in 1931, she was admitted as a novice and took the name Maria Innocencia. Her consecration to religious life didn't require her to give up her art. She taught the subject at one of the sisters' schools. And in her spare time, she painted pictures of adorable little children doing everyday things like household chores or frolicking outdoors. Her fellow sisters sent these images to a publisher. They were initially printed as postcards. A porcelain company executive came across some in a shop in Munich. He requested the rights to make porcelain figurines from them, and they soon became popular. The Nazi period just around the corner was a difficult one. Although the statues continued to be produced, Hummel's convent was persecuted, most of the sisters ejected. Sister Maria contracted tuberculosis in 1944. She died a year after the war ended at the age of 37. But the war had one positive effect. American soldiers liberating Germany bought the figurines. They brought them home with them, and that sparked a big new market for Hummel's. Their popularity has ebbed and flowed over the years. They were especially hot in the 1970s. I remember them as a kid. But they're still popular collector's items. They're still made at the original factory in Germany, and the Sisters of St. Francis still have some involvement in their production. They're based on art by Sister Maria Hummel, who entered a convent this week in 1931. And I bet you you can find some at your local thrift shop if you look. <laughs> Actually, you could probably find some uh, listed online uh, some of the older collector-style ones for actually probably much more than you'd have to pay at a thrift shop. But very cool history and a piece that I was not familiar with until, well, until we started talking this morning. Kevin Schmeising, thank you so much. We've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Thanks. All right, 13 Till, Andrew Swafford joins us next. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. I am Deacon Mike Erb with Coldwell Banker Realty. 
proud to support Sacred Heart Radio because I am a faithful listener, and I'm happy to help you with buying or selling your home. 513-237-8888. That's 513-237-8888. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for Mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press. You can get a copy of your own to study along with us at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And we're back with Dr. Andrew Swafford, who is one of the co-authors of this guide. Andrew, welcome back. No, it's great to be here, Annie. It is great to have you. And so today we are going to unpack the book of Judges. How does this book sort of pick up the story after Joshua? Yeah, you know, Joshua 24, he's pleading with his people to remain faithful at the end of his life. And what Judges kind of, you know, reveals is that there's a reason why he had to plea so ardently, because they were, you know, deep endemic problems. And it kind of, you know, it reminds me, I mean, if if we, and if our listeners, we get frustrated and dejected with maybe the way things are now, uh, it's good to remember that, you know, there have been tough times in the past. And uh, and I think one of the maybe spiritual lessons we can draw from judges is that it's not, this is going to sound hard, but it's not enough just to be orthodox, to pass the faith on to the next generation. There needs to be a a deep and joyful faithfulness. And, And clearly what was there in Joshua's generation did not get passed on to the next one. Oh, man, you are so right. Well, and, and we'll dive into that in, in just a little bit here. But let's get the basics of the book of Judges. Who are the judges? Yeah, so, the, I mean, the judges really are, uh, so the, the early chapters kind of, kind of just introduce uh, the book of Judges, kind of an introduction. And then as you get to kind of chapter three and following, you hear, the, you hear about these judges. And they're kind of charismatic leaders that the Lord raises up. Um, you, you have these, this theme, this kind of cycle in Judges, where the people fall into sin. The, there's a response. They, then, then they suffer because of that. And so you go from sin to suffering, and they cry out to the Lord, so the supplication. And then God raises up a judge or a, a savior, if you will. Uh, and then you have this kind of you know, relative period of, of peace and prosperity and and then the cycle starts up again. So they get complacent, and they fall back into sin, and then suffering, and they cry out, and then another judge is raised up. And so you, you have people like Othniel, uh, Ehud, Gideon, uh, and then the most famously, of course, is Samson. And the Samson story takes up chapters 13 through 17. It's this kind of, you know, few bright spots, but then a lot of negative, and almost kind of a downhill spiral. When you read Judges, by the time you get to the very end of the book, it's things are really spiraling out of control, and you have this kind of theme that says the people did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king. So you have this, you know, I, I think of uh, our, uh, you know, 
Pope Benedict, our uh, late pope, uh, used the phrase the dictatorship of relativism. Uh, and so you get this kind of, you know, people did what was right in their own eyes. And it kind of sets up the transition from the Mosaic Covenant uh, to the Davidic Covenant. It, 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 so Moses figures large in the book of Joshua, but the name of Moses only appears a few times in Judges. And by the end of it, it's sort of the, the need for something more, uh, and it really kind of starts to transition toward the Davidic kingdom, the Davidic Covenant. Well, this idea, because they had no king, I mean, how depressing is that, Andrew? Because who is supposed to be their king? The Lord. Yes, yes. Yeah, and that's one of the great themes of, 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 of the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, that, that this, you know, there is, uh, you know, God grants that, I mean, so you have with Saul, of course, but then the Davidic king. Um, but ideally, he is sort of an embodiment of the reign of God, of, of, of the Lord as king. And it's really only in Jesus that the resolution comes about of human and divine kingship. Well, and it's in the book of Judges, too, that we realize um, just the the importance of what Joshua was trying to do um, in the book of Joshua, that being to blot out the the influence of the pagan cultures. And clearly that was not completed in Joshua's lifetime. Well, and, and throughout the entire Old Testament, right? yeah, <laughs> this exactly. is where the, the, the prophet later will be, you know, railing about this because it's, you know, and, and I think we need to see this, you know, uh, we mentioned this last time with Joshua, but uh, as a human story, as our, our own spiritual journey, right, so there's a, uh, St. Augustine spoke of the city of God and the city of man, well, there's a little bit of both of them in each one of us. So Israel's story, uh, in a real sense, embodies humanity's story. There's two great stories of the whole Bible. There's the, there's the story of humanity, Genesis 1 through 11, and then there's the story of Israel that really kind of picks up with the call of Abraham. And Israel's story always embodies humanity's story. I mean, the golden calf, for example, the ancient rabbi spoke of the golden, what the forbidden fruit was to Adam and Eve, the golden calf was to Israel. And so when we see Israel's story and Israel's struggles, we need to see it is a microcosm of the human struggle, of our own struggles, uh, that we, we're, we're going to relive the life of Israel. And we need to, and as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, these things were written down for our instructions. So I, I really encourage you listeners, don't be afraid to read the Old Testament spiritually, to read it as a mirror of our own lives. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned at the outset the, the importance of um, going beyond just orthodoxy and and having this this joyful love of the faith and i was trying to find it i can't i can't remember the the chapter and verse in the book of judges but basically says that the people didn't tell the story of the exodus to their children like they didn't know how god intervened into the life of israel We've got to be able to tell the story joyfully. Amen. Amen. I mean, we don't know so much of our culture today. Life is like a story with no plot, right? You give your life meaning. We don't know who we are. And that's what happened then. And and we need to kind of learn that lesson. And I think we'll change the culture when our grandkids are Catholic, when we pass it on with it as much, you know, so the kids, they want to replicate that. And, and for all of our listeners who've got family and children who have walked away, I mean, surrender them to the Lord. Don't look back. Uh, but but you know, we need to be more than just have the right answers or do the right things. We need to be people of joyous faith with our eyes on Jesus. We're, we're for that. And, and if we're rooted in who we are, We'll be able to respond to all these questions and objections and, and crazy things that come up 
But if we let the other side, if you will, set the agenda, we'll lose track of who we are. We lose who we are. Absolutely. We've been talking to Dr. Andrew Swafford, and you can find a Catholic guide to the Old Testament through ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. And ter- encourage you to pick up a copy so that you can study along with us in this weekly Old Testament Bible study with Ascension Press. And Andrew, really appreciate your thoughts on the book of Judges. We'll look forward to talking about Ruth next time. Thanks so much. All right. Always a blessing. Thank you. You bet. All right, that'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for joining us. For Matt Swaim and Paul Lockman, I'm Anna Mitchell. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith, when Dr. Joseph Zala will discuss the ethics of the doctor-patient relationship. Kristen Gallagher will share the latest news and events from Cincinnati, St. Vincent to Paul. I'll reflect on the queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon, beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. This is Father Michael Mary Dosh from St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more.